Hello and welcome back to Imperial Cantina, the show where we sit down with a guest and talk about movie. Talk about movies. Talk about Star Wars one movie at a time. Did you like how I did that? I a little remix there. But um guys, today we actually do not have a guest. So some stuff fell through with the original guest we were gonna have for this episode, which is fine. It's totally cool because we can still talk about Star Wars with each other, and that's what we're all here for, right? Yeah. Well, cool. I am your host, Braden Ledbetter. <laughs> and I'm your co-host, Jackson Daylene. And Jackson, how are you doing on this fine Mother's Day? Um, Pretty tired. I just finished. Um, I, I, di- I didn't finish, actually. We didn't get to shoot uh, all of today. Um, but uh, I've been working on a shoot, been working on a short film that I am DPing for, nice. but um, still was able to make some room for some Star Wars, was able Always. to actually get this this watch in, which was nice. Um, but yeah, I'm just mainly tired. I'm, I'm in a very busy like two weeks right now, so I've yeah. just been going, going. So yeah, we've we've had a pretty heavy podcasting couple weeks too with Bad Batch coming out and yeah, lots, trying to keep up with these picantinas too, yeah. and yeah, yeah. Um, um, I think as for my own, uh, I'm a little further in Family at War. I'm on the twins now. I'm on uh, yeah. Leia's like I think I'm on like Leia's first or second chapter. Cool. Yeah, I, I plan on trying to get that finished by this week. Hopefully, cross crossing my fingers. Um, we'll we'll probably have a little bit of a, of a discussion on it once we get to one of our news episodes and we're both done with it. Right. But um, just so everybody here knows that this will be our not our final Imperial Cantina, but we're taking a little bit of a hiatus because we just we just wanted to take a little bit more time so we can focus on things like Bad Batch and news and that kind of thing. So we'll probably take a few weeks off, and then um, once we return with Cantina, we will do things like The Mandalorian, Clone Wars, Rebels, any other kind right. of Star Wars content content that is not a theatrical, theatrically released movie. So that's what the plan is for the future of Cantina, but as of right now... This will be the last episode of Imperial Cantina for a couple weeks. Um, there's no estimated date for our return of the show yet, but this is the last one for a while. So this is kind of a little bit of a celebration of Cantina and what we've been doing for how many months we've we been doing this show now? About three? Yeah, about. Yeah, since like February. So that's been really fun getting to sit down with guests and talk about Star Wars. So um well, I usually we usually ask the guests these questions, but we've never I don't think we've ever asked ourselves these questions. So I'm going to ask you and then I'll also answer these questions. Um so we already asked what we've been up to, we what we've been up to. Um so I think we talked about this like a very one of our first episodes, but we'll say it again for people who don't know. What was your first introduction to Star Wars if you remember? Um so it was obviously when uh my dad sat me down and made me watch all of the original trilogy and I was I was of a, a ripe ripe age when uh, the prequels came out, and I, I definitely saw Revenge of the Sith in theaters. And yeah, my dad got me pretty obsessed with it, when, like from from the get go of me being a kid. So yeah, um, yeah. Well, cool. I think my I've said this before. I don't really know my first initial introduction slash reaction to Star Wars because I just don't know. Um, right. I'm one of those people who, like, I don't remember a time where Star Wars didn't exist in my life. 
Um, but I like to think that maybe it was whenever I was younger and I think we owned the VHS tape of the Phantom Menace. So my introduction to nice. Star Wars was the prequels, I would assume. But um, yeah, it's it's a really cloudy era of my life whenever you're introduced to all these huge pop culture things that are basically just like in our culture now and it's hard to remember when it there right. wasn't a time when that thing is when that didn't exist um we, i think most people who listen to this podcast know what our favorite movies are but just to reiterate what is your favorite star wars movie um i think my my most fun one is return of the jedi whereas my like favorite movie like movie quality one is empire strikes back yeah i think i think return of the jedi has been growing on me um a lot recently because it used to be a little lower in my ranking but it's kind of moved up since we've done we've talked about it and, and done cantina on it and all that kind of stuff but um i think at least right now my favorite star wars movie is the last jedi it always flips between the last Jedi and the and Empire because Empire is just one of those like of course it's everybody's favorite Star Wars right, movie. Right, right. So like it's almost you know a given that any Star Wars fan is going to be Empire. I haven't, I've never heard of a single Star Wars fan that doesn't have Empire at least in their top three. So um yeah. Well, cool. Um, who's your favorite Star Wars character? Um, actually, it's probably Darth Vader. Um, but I say that with Kenobi's lightsaber tattooed on me, but Kenobi is like the strong second. It's Mm -hmm. just, uh, Vader is the one that always kinds of, uh, I guess encapsulates like star Wars and just kind of the full, like the tragedy of Darth Vader is just one of my favorite story pieces of all times and just character stories. Give me like a top three characters. Vader, Kenobi, I think I know what you're going to say. Oh, definitely Boba Fett. Yeah, I knew I was, you were say. I was running through characters, and I was just like, who is my third? And then I was like, idiots, Boba Fett. Yeah. Um, I would say my top three. Top three, yeah. I think Rey is in one of my top three. I think Rey and yeah. Kylo kind of get switched around between my top three. Um, so I'm going gonna, gonna to count Ray and Kylo as one character since they are a dyad in the force. Um, and then I'll go Yoda. And then I'll go... Mm, I'll go Obi-Wan. Okay. I'll do Obi-Wan. Go Obi-Wan as well. Yeah. I, I, I just, cool. I've always seen Obi-Wan as like the perfect Jedi. Even though he's yeah. not. I've just always seen I, him that I, way. I, I kind I agree with that though. Is He's definitely... Uh, a well rep he is like his character like is a is a good representation of like a pure jedi yeah and i think he's the character who has been the most respectful of the force i agree yeah so um what is no no no, we already did all that blah 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 what is your most anticipated star wars tv film or anything like that coming out um it's it's definitely Kenobi, but I have been kind of getting more, I guess, excited about Andor. Just the, yeah. the more we've seen with it, I'm just, I'm, I'm getting more interested. Did you in what see some of those set be. photos that came out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. With like, you got like the shore troopers coming back. And, yeah, yeah. I think. Um, yeah, mine's got to be Kenobi for sure, especially because last week I rewatched the. Um, I don't know if you've seen Jamie Costa's Kenobi fan film. 
No, I haven't. Um, I I highly recommend it. Um, it's basically, it's it's basically what we're getting with the Kenobi show, um, mm-hmm. but in like a sh- very short film version. And Jamie Costa is great as the Ewan McGregor Obi Wan. He's he's really good. I don't know if you know who Jamie Costa is. But, I don't um, actually. He has a Han Solo short and a kenobi short and they're both genius they're they're wonderful fan films are so these, um, are these on youtube or are these yeah they're on youtube so if you just literally you if you look at youtube um kenobi short film it'll be the first one that comes up or there's also a han solo smugglers run um it's either a smugglers run i think is what it's called or like a smuggler's trade or something i don't remember but it's really huh. good um yeah i'll uh, i'll have to check it out oh yeah it's it's fantastic and the perform james arnold taylor is in it um oh cool so he plays like an imperial um like officer and yeah it's great you should check it out um once we're done huh. with this yeah for sure yeah so last thing i want to ask the guest questions for ourselves since we're our own guests today is if you had the reins at lucasfilm and could green light basically any show movie even like a book comic series anything uh what would you do um i would probably adapt lost stars into a sh- into a mini series so you wouldn't you wouldn't pitch a new idea it would just be adaption i probably would adapt something yeah yeah i there's too much to try to continue and build more with um and i think a lot of Star Wars cinema um, plays homages to itself. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would probably work on an, an an adaptation to where my focus would have to be conveying the story as best as I can rather than trying to create something new. I yeah. just know I'm not capable of that. I think give me give it like 15, 20 years and I would probably want to take have a go at like episode 10 or something yeah um, yeah i kind of thought about that like like what if they continued like what if they did another trilogy yeah but it would have to be you'd have to give it a while because i think right yeah, now no no one's ready for more sequels um uh do you know do you want to know a weird thought that i had that like i don't really fully understand how i feel about it yet what's that will will most likely be around when It'll be the hundred, like hundredth anniversary for Star Wars. Yeah, probably will, unless um, some unfortunate things happen. But given that we're all in good health for the next, for now, for, for the next, you know, fifty years, I yeah, um, right. I think we will end up seeing the hundredth anniversary of Star Wars. That's just so surreal for That's me. Wild. Of like, of like <laughs> being like seventy-eight and like. Being like, oh yeah, like the first Star Wars came out a hundred years ago. Yeah, I never saw it, but <laughs> that's wild. That's that's crazy to think of because the hundredth anniversary will be twenty seventy seven. So yeah, I'll be seventy nine. Yeah, like you think about it, and you're like, oh, that's that's forever ago. But then you're like, actually, that's not that's not too out of the ballpark of us being around and like hanging out. We'll for be that. on like, like our, our six thousandth episode of Through Imperial Eyes. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, hey guys, we're still doing it. <laughs> Oh, and welcome to Imperial Cantina, <laughs> Star Wars Episode 70. Yeah. Um, We're not drinking today because we have to go to bed by three, but... <laughs> We're doing this episode at seven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, We've been up for hours. <laughs> um, well, cool. Let's kind of dive into The Rise of Skywalker because I think this is, unfortunately, 
the lowest rated on Rotten Tomatoes Star Wars film. Um, and I think this movie, aside from The Last Jedi, has the most hate and controversy around it. And I kind of want everyone listening right now to clear your mind of all of those biases and all of those negative thoughts you have towards this movie and just open your heart to new ideas and new positive opinions because we're that's what this show is it's 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 a way to look at star wars through a positive lens and finding the good in star wars because we love star wars so um let's just let's just talk about what we what we like and you know what what this movie does to us as star wars fans because i think this is a great it's a great movie to watch just being a star wars fan and having fun watching it so um just jackson for you where do you think this movie lands for you when it comes to not not only just your ranking but just your overall thoughts on the film itself so i struggle with this movie a lot um and not in the sense of like the movie itself was executed poorly um i think it's it's biggest lack is its script i think it struggles with trying to figure out what it wants to do um but that being said it doesn't fail in uh some of the aspects it does try to do i think a lot of the things that were created to advance this story um are really really good but you can kind of tell the whole time that jj's trying to retcon whatever happened with last jedi because a at the time of this being made and releasing the the mindset of last jedi wasn't necessarily where it is now the the appreciative uh the mass appreciative like turnover for last jedi hadn't really happened yet until the movie came out um so i feel that when they were making it a lot of the decisions were swayed off of people's like i guess angry and bad thoughts of what last Jedi was. So rise of Skywalker works to try and like, I guess, quote unquote, like I said, retcon everything and kind of like fix, I say fix itself. Um, I could not disagree more, but continue. See, but well, so here, and here's my thing. It's not like it's huge, like things. They're not like taking everything away, but it's, it's something subtle of like, uh, like fixing the lightsaber that broke in the last movie. And like, while logically, yeah, that kind of makes it. And there's, they, they make it work. It's not like it's bad. Like they don't make the things work. It's like, it's more, you can tell that their focus is kind of on that while still also trying to like have this closer, like swashbuckling, you know, I will say this movie gives a lot of that swashbuckler, like adventure vibes mm-hmm. with it. It, it, it holds that return of the Jedi pace with it. Um, and there are some stuff with it, like the the decisions they make to kind of create and add more to the story, I think are, are interesting takes and turns of it. I just also know that it, it was a wild time making it. And I am slowly learning to, like I said, appreciate and kind of understand. I will say with this watch, uh, the second half was probably the most I've ever enjoyed just watching this movie. Yeah. Not yeah. saying like I've had terrible times, but like yeah. this current time I was like, okay, this is, this, like, this is fun. This is a blast. I'm enjoying this. Yeah. I think I agree with your statement of it being like a good fun, like adventure yeah. movie. But I, I think the way I see it in terms of your point to how this 
this movie comes off as being kind of anti-Last Jedi. My counterpoint to that is I think what J.J. does with this movie, I think it more takes what Ryan did with The Last Jedi and kind of runs with the ideas he created. Because I think a lot of the people who 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 look at the last jedi and they they see that the you know the theme of the film or like the lesson of the film is to kill the past let the past die and destroy the past and that's not it at all it's to again honor the honor the past while also respecting it and using that knowledge to move forward in learning from the past mistakes but taking what's good with the past and running with it and i think with this film what jj is doing with the, with, with the rise of skywalker is he's taking things like Kylo and him destroying his mask and rebuilding it. And, and this one, I think that is Kylo. He, he he no longer wants to be Kylo. No longer wants to be this. As we saw in the Force Awakens, this whiny teenager in like this kind of desperate, this desperate villain guy who doesn't really take him any, any seriously. And Snoke even says to him, take off the mask. You're just a child in a mask. And he said, he sees that and uses his anger and destroys the mask. And I think that in the rise of Skywalker, he's like, you know what? No, Snoke's dead. I can do what I want. And I'm going to reforge my mask because that is what I'm going to use to intimidate people and bring back that aspect of the villainous Kylo Ren. But I think again, to your point with the lightsaber too, I think I don't think that that has anything to do with seeing the last Jedi and being like, oh, they they destroyed it in the last Jedi, so we have to fix it. I don't I don't see that, and that's just for me. I don't I, I don't know. I just I see a lot of the things that JJ does in this movie as more just re respecting what Ryan did in the last Jedi and running with it than taking the last Jedi and saying, okay, we need to fix what this movie did. Um, and again, that's just my view of it, and I'm sure a thousand other people have different opinions, which is totally fine. Um, but kind of moving on here, um, what was your... Did you... You saw this one in theaters, right? Yes. I think I was a little late, maybe a week or two. Yeah. I, I have um, an interesting experience uh, with my first watch. I think I just saw it with my dad. I don't think I had. I don't think I had a big grand story yeah. for this one. I think what happened to me is so. Remember, you know how they used to do like the um, on like Monday Night Football, or whatever they'd have the trailer, and then like as soon as the trailer drops, the ch- the ticket sales drop. So I did that. Bought my ticket. Six p.m. Super screen. Had it all set and ready to go. You know, because you know tickets didn't actually for the town we lived in tickets didn't you know fly off the shelves for this movie um so i actually was able to get solid seats with a solid show time like the for the first showing ever you can get 6 p.m on thursday so i was like cool got that reserved we're gonna see it the first first time thursday night be the first people in the state to see it get to that day we show up ready to go get to the theater we're in our seats and it's a kind of a weird vibe in there because the projector was being kind of weird. It was like a little tilted and off off kilter. And as the oh no. as the previews and stuff were playing, we were like, okay, this is kind of weird. They'll probably fix it. And they did. And then 
as soon as the whole the, the theater by us is called Marcus Theaters, the whole like um you know how they have that the Marcus Theater guy talking to the camera yeah, doing like jokes yeah. and stuff. It was that, and then it went to black, and it stayed black. We we're like, oh, this is weird. What's happening? And like they're probably like switching the projectors. We'll get movie's kind of different. Um, and it stayed black for probably about four or five minutes before someone came in and said there were some technical difficulties. Um, we'll get we'll get it playing in just a second. We we're like, okay, whatever, fine. We can wait ten minutes. And then like thirty minutes went by. Someone came back. So it, like, did, it didn't take ten minutes. Oh yeah, someone came back by like, hey, yeah, sorry guys, we're having a lot of projector problems. Um, we're gonna try to get this movie playing as soon as possible. Just please be patient. And then like another 30 minutes to 40 minutes went by it was like eight o'clock at this point oh my god and i was like dude are we even gonna see this freaking movie i would have just canceled it like people would just oh, no. so what point. happened is they were like hey i don't think we're gonna get this projector working tonight um you guys can go to the oh, yeah? box office and switch your showtime or you can just get a refund and i was like are you kidding me because this was the yeah. most excited i've been for a star wars movie since like the force awakens and i was like please just let me see a freaking star war so we went to the box office got our tickets changed to an 11 o'clock p.m showing in the smallest auditorium in the theater because that's that's all they had (laughs) seats for so and we had to sit all the way to the side in one of the first rows and the guy would have been just so pissed i was so mad i I thankfully had bought tickets also for the day after because i knew i'd want to see it again so i was going to see it a second time anyway but it was like 11 30 p.m i was exhausted we were sitting on the very very side of the auditorium and this guy next to me had like a bag of chips in his pocket so the whole freaking movie i hear this dude's crinkling bag of chips and chopping on chips and i just had oh my i was so i was so pissed watching this movie for the first time and i was like trying to enjoy it as much as i could he like stuffing his failings over he's like thank god they didn't do another death star right yeah i know i was like i was like man at least i'm getting to see this movie but at this point i don't even care i want to wait to see it tomorrow yeah Yeah. (laughs) so i saw it the next day and I, i i we sat down and this kid next to me would not stop talking. Oh no! I swear, this like eight-year-old kid talked through the entire movie. Hey, what's this? What's that? Hey, mom! And then talking, I think he brought a friend or something. And he's like, "Oh my, oh my god, god, that's Kylo Ren! Oh my god, are they gonna? He's gonna die! Oh my god, Chewbacca died! Oh my god!" And oh, dude, I have never Cursed. had a worst, ex- a worst Cursed. experience going to see a movie. And both of them were like the worst experiences. So I. <sighs> it, it was like that's the world awful. did not want me to see this movie. Yeah, um, that's awful. <laughs> so that that's was my awful. that was my theater experience, trying to go see the Rise of Skywalker. I hope everyone listening here had wonderful, perfect experiences going to see this movie because I sure did not. Um, but it didn't keep me from liking the movie at all. I mean, I, I really did. I've I've always appreciated what this movie does, and you know how is being as controversial as it is it's still able to create this wholesome, satisfying ending that I think a lot of people, Star Wars fans in general can appreciate. I think this does a lot of, this film does a lot of honoring the entire saga as a whole. So, um, well, let's kind of, let's kind of run down, go beat by beat. Just talk about what we think of kind of the key points in this movie. So the opening crawl, what did you think of the dead speak? Uh, have you ever actually listened to those broadcasts that Palpatine does? No, I know it's in the video game. Well, 
the video game. Um, it's like it's in, in Fortnite. Fortnite. Yeah, it was in, it was an event they did in Fortnite, and it's it's actually pretty cool. The the actual broadcast because it's it like you don't necessarily know what it is at first because it's just like it's obviously it's like a bunch of static and stuff, and then like the way they did it was that hinting uh, it like was a big event so hinting up it was just like the static and then you would hear like palpatine's laughing in the background and you'd be like oh like what was that and then the actual message came through and it's very it's actually really cool because it's like it's very scary it's very like it's him just kind of like reciting things and like uh he quotes like his speech from revenge of the sith about Mm. like uh about like the empire and he was just like and you took that from me Oh, um, I haven't I haven't heard yeah, that. It's I'm cool. surprised I haven't heard it's it. It's cool. It's it's different. It's it's like a it's like a weird like broadcast. So I always think it's cool like when they talk about that. Um I think for the opening crawl, it it's a lot actually like the, a lot happens with just in the crawl. Like yeah. the entire kind of like setting of what's going on. It's it's very much like you can see the the wrench it's thrown into everybody's plan with mm-hmm. Palpatine's return. Um. Yeah, and it's very it's my... very weird to go from Kylo we knew in the Last Jedi to seeing Supreme Leader Kylo Ren in the crawl too, and it's a very like calm and collected Kylo Ren. Yeah. I, I think Adam Driver does the you know it says in the opening crawls his you know determination to make sure his power isn't taken. Yeah, I think Adam Driver does a fantastic job at showing the newfound focus that Kylo Ren has um, because he he feels very different in this that he does in the rest. I would say he's pretty similar. He's similar the most in Last Jedi, but like there's this like Darth Vader sense of stoicism that he carries with himself in this yeah, movie. And I think I think he's a lot more he, he he is a lot more angry, but that anger is much more controlled than it is in, say, Last Jedi or The Force Awakens. And I think he's using his anger to fuel his, you know, his power and his just his his motivation going forward. Because, I mean, just the first shot we see of him, he just mowing down dudes on Mustafar. Yeah, that's a real, that's a really cool like opening sequence. Did you, did you realize that was Mustafar the first time you watched it? Not the first time I watched it. I didn't either. It, it no, took me I, like I had a, to find out through yeah, like social media. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I I saw it on I think the Visual Dictionary. It might have been, um, and it had like one of those those Mustafar guys, and it said like it, it said from the planet Mustafar. Blah blah. blah. I was like, wait, Mustafar? Because we haven't we've never seen that side of Mustafar right. before. All we know is like the mountains of lava and lava rivers and stuff. So yeah, the pits and all that. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, and I I, I um. I can't remember what I was going to say. Never mind. You can keep going. <laughs> I definitely lost <laughs> That's it. That's okay. Um, kind of moving on. This is the first time we see Exegol. Now, what are your thoughts before we get into the details? What are your thoughts just on the planet Exegol and the history it has with the Sith and finding Palpatine there? Um, I, I liked Exegol. I thought it was kind of a cool little like area to show and explore. And I like that like that natural uh primitive like sith 
like buildings. Yeah. And just like I, I, I thought it was a cool. I liked the production design of having like the lightning shooting through, but never really hitting anything. And yeah, I love the sound um, design too. That's great. The sound. Yeah. This and like the cool like upside down like mimicking the Jedi Temple. Like yeah. Oh, I actually um, haven't. I yeah. If you look at that. the 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 big building, yeah. it's it's a, it's a flipped Jedi Temple. It just doesn't have um, the spires. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Um. Yeah, I, I like the overall like like idea and concept of Exegol, and I, I love. I I kind of want to see like a lot more of it. I think the stuff that you do see is really only like they're like big rooms, you know. Yeah. Um. And while the throne room is a really cool like set piece, I mean more like the inner workings because right. like. It's just kind of like statue hallways, and it's like, oh, here's like the little palpit. Here's his like, here's his cloning corner he yeah. has, where he's got his machines hooked up, and well, over there that, is down the you, throne room. What do you think of the reveal that Snoke and Vader and everybody, or well, Snoke was a, was a clone, but you know the voice of Vader and everybody in his head was actually Palpatine. It was, it was all Palpatine. It was, all, um, it was Palpatine all along. It was Palpatine all along. Um... <laughs> Um, I, I I think this is definitely uh, it's it is the most I say the most logical. I that's not I don't mean that to the fullest extent, but it's it is the it is a natural way to kind of introduce Palpatine suddenly into this yeah. story. Um, and I, I actually really like that line of I've been the voice inside your head this whole time. Yeah. You know, I love. Those little cameos, I am like every voice you've ever yeah, heard yeah. inside, inside your head. Your head. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, no, it's cool, and I and I, I love the return of Ian McDermott. I love that he's just always just played the emperor. Yeah, <laughs> like it's always just been him. I love seeing um, the uh, the um, this the tank full of Snokes. Yeah, <laughs> like floating around. Yeah. And, um. Yeah, it's a cool introduction and like the the repeated line he has from Revenge of the Sith yeah. about you know unnatural and he's so scary looking in it and like the the cool lightning cinematography that they do and yeah it's I think it's a really cool intro because I like how this Palpatine isn't he's not the politician he's not the like creepy ruler guy he's kind he's this like scary deformed like monster person thing yeah like this person shouldn't be alive as long as they have you can tell that they're just using everything in their power to do it so it's cool that that has like physically changed him for like attempting to like be immortal yeah and it's it's funny because the reason Kylo's there is because he sensed a threat to his power, so he's going to try to take down whatever this big Sith is yeah um and I think that's also a testament to Kylo's. I want to. I would probably say Kylo's false confidence he has in, in yeah. his power when he when he doesn't realize there's much bigger things arrogance. at stake here. Yeah, that's a great way to put it too. Um, and I think the way the Emperor looks because we didn't get to see the Emperor at all in any of the marketing. So this was like the first reveal right, of what he looked yeah. like. And I I always thought that it was weird because they didn't really give Ian McDiarmid the um like the emperor wrinkles and stuff on his face. Right. They kind of just like kept Ian as he was, put some white powder on his face and some white contacts. And I was like, huh, that's an interesting choice because he doesn't I don't think the Emperor would look less deformed now that he's 
like a right. zombie basically um so i thought that was kind of a strange choice like again it's a nitpicky thing it's not something that ruins the emperor well, in this movie I, for I me i don't necessarily think it looks too terrible i don't think it's, it looks bad it, like, i just think it's just unexpected that they didn't go with the classic like if you emperor really look. look at it you're yeah you can just tell that it's just like makeup and lipstick yeah. on whereas yeah i agree and then whenever they again whenever he takes all the life force out of Rey and Kylo by the end of the movie, then he goes back to the the weird Emperor look with the dark eyes and the yellow eyes right. and that kind of thing. So I just thought that was interesting. Um grows his fingers back. Yeah, grows his fingers little crusty nails. Um so we we kind of come out of that scene from uh Palpatine's basically saying, I know I know who she is and where she comes from and Kylo goes, Who is she? And then just cuts to um, Finn and Poe and Chewie on their mission to collect some data saying who the that there's a first order spy and they need you know the basically the um, a trans transmission from that first order spy saying that the, that the emperor was back um, but what do you what do you, you kind of think of this whole we get finally this banter between Poe and Finn and we get to kind of explore their relationship a little bit more and you know we get to meet Bulio which my boy Bulio is probably it's, it's just Mark Hamill voice no weird alien but I love Bulio is Bulio the the one that win the war yeah yeah that's Bulio that, okay that's what I thought yeah uh, who's who's the what's the, sl- the slug monster that like hope uh, you fix that surge and oh, then like Cla- spits out that's at Claude him. yeah Claude that's it yeah <laughs> Um. Yeah, I I like the I like the introduction of of these characters for this of like and then they've been doing like missions and they talk about like their banter like you know like Ray's off training like Ray can't help us right now and, yeah um I I we'll talk about this a little later but I think that the like millennium like the falcon crew like like the overall group um this specific group is uh like the most naturally like like chemistry feeling like i can tell these actors have been working with each other and that like like even these characters have been running missions with each other whereas like with Ray, while story-wise, acting-wise, and, like, dialogue-wise, they are able to tell that, like, there has been tension. There is, like, these are the I mean, the final days of the war, and Ray's been off doing it. I just wish we saw that. That tension. I, 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 well, it's more, not the tension, but more the the break. I, I don't hate, but I don't like that ray and poe meet like at the very end of last jedi and then while yes time has passed the only relationship we've seen them have is this like bickering to each other like they kind of hate each other and it's not that that was the choice it's just that like that's all we've seen i'm Mm -hmm. like whoa whoa whoa! why do they hate each other now like whoa 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 like and i don't really know if it's cool if they hate each other but they poe has a different different idea of what you know this, this war, this, this war and like this mission is then Ray and he doesn't really he doesn't really understand the Jedi and why they have to go away to train and all that kind of thing. And I wish that we saw that yeah. form rather than it being here and there, but um, or kind of being like the latter half of that whole situation, right? Like yeah, like you can tell like the audience is definitely being thrown into this like this like uh uh 
con conflict that yeah. these that that the, that the friends are having you know like the group that they've established in these movies is going through problems and i wish we kind of saw that why rather than figuring it out through dialogue yeah and i think again with with poe being well, you could have been out there helping us, but you got to stay here and train. And what good is that doing when we don't have our best fighter with us, you know, on the battlefield, basically? Um, I think, you know, that's that shows a lot of Poe's frustration with I don't think with Ray as a as a person and character. I think of frustration with, again, that Poe has had this entire trilogy of like we can be doing something. So let's just go do it. Right. Like we, we're so close. Like yeah. We're so close to doing like he it. Sees like these let's just all, go do all it. these opportunities to do things that he just wants to jump at every opportunity with, you know, sometime to his, to his demise of, you know, that's not always the smartest decision and way of doing things, acting on, you know, acting on impulse and, you know, like Holdo says in the last Jedi, you're impulsive and the last person that I want on in charge of my ship or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think that coming in on this kind of bashing of heads between Poe and, you know, Ray and Finn, I think that's it's an interesting way to bring us in. And I think it gives it an, an interesting dynamic that we haven't seen before, but also there wasn't really any time to establish Ray and Poe's prior relationship. So I think it's hard to connect with that, um, which again, it's... It's not something that ruins the movie for me at all. But um, no, no, it, it's not. It it, 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 it doesn't. I don't say it fixes itself. It moves to a point to where it's not important to either yeah. character, so they're able to let it to let their focus and like their their goals reach them to find this like common ground and just their demeanor to each right. other so yeah. it, it, it it their teamwork aspect like gets better throughout the movie yeah um, yeah well cool um let's kind of move on to we were talking about the the training let's talk about the whole training um we kind of get a little bit of a training montage and meditation with ray on on the forest of ajon Kloss, i believe is how you, how you say it but we we come in on Ray. She's floating in the air, meditating with these rocks coming around her, and she's saying, "Come on, be with me, be with me." But she's not really getting anything. And I think that is kind of an echo to how whenever they were on crate and they were asking, calling out for help, no one answered. And I think Ray is happening, like sees this happening to herself, and you know she's calling out to you know the Jedi of before, and she's getting no response, no answer. Um, and I think these kind of these kind of things of you know reaching out, and not getting any help. I think that gets resolved throughout this movie, and we see that with you know the ending battle, and especially with Rey. Um, you know, whenever she gets he gets all those voices in her head from from the Jedi past. But I think, what do you kind of think of? Ray's state of mind when it comes to her training in the force here because she's getting kind of she she's allowing herself to get kind of frustrated and overwhelmed um this movie uh, so I don't mean to do it but I compare this movie a lot to Return of the Jedi more in the sense of yeah. both of these movies are supposed to be like the final right. you know like the the last hurrah um 
And I think that overall this trilogy, but this movie specifically shows Ray's struggle to control her emotions yeah. better than Luke's entire journey with Return of the Jedi. Cause like I agree. Yeah. While that is like the subject of it, just I guess just modern filmmaking and even just Daisy's betrayal, just like it's just it's it's shown a little better, just like that struggle. Um so and I like that. Like, that's kind of what the training course tells you is just, you know, she's still fighting. She's still struggling to kind of master everything. She's better. She's she's kind of attuned herself a little more, but she still struggles to connect and to really feel and to have that focus. Um, uh, and that's it. That's such a cool payoff later yeah. in the movie, too, it, like it, in those final moments. Yeah. And, and it's great because, you know, she she has all these moments of basically self doubt because she's getting just imagine being this, you know, basically the, the only ish force user that is kind of out and open as a force user. And you're being told all these things by these legendary people of, yes, this is how the force is. And this is the way of the Jedi or whatever. And that's how overwhelming that can be. And just how, frustrating it can be whenever your expectations aren't met um especially when it comes to you know this this whole training thing um and she even like she goes to leia she's like i'm reaching out to them why aren't they why aren't they why am i not getting an answer um and we get this beautiful moment with 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 ray and and leia um and they have that great hugging shot that we see in the trailer but <laughs> what do you think about you know what how they handled Leia um in this movie um I completely understand everything that they had to do with Leia yeah. so I don't ever really give like much like it's nothing that you can really trouble. ever give any fair criticism yeah, you're to kind of like you didn't have many options right. so like it's I I much more appreciate and respect uh i think honoring kind of carrie rather than like throwing an actor on set and cging her face on to try and finish it rather than i think that would have been pretty disrespectful to carrie's work i for i agree yeah. so like yeah I, I like that they they pulled shots and they just kind of re-edited stuff to fix it and, and it kind of shows too um especially when it comes to dialogue she says very kind of empty lines but, the dialogue, I completely agree, but yeah. I think everything else looks really good. It looks the great. The aging yeah. of her hair, the clothing. Um, um, yeah, it's really only the dialogue. Because, it, yeah, it's very just basic lines that. Yeah, it's very like. It'll cut to her and she'll never say. Never underestimate a droid. Yeah, like, or it'll cut to her and she'll or, say, or just no. Ray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, again, it it's to no fault of the filmmakers. They did they did what they could and worked with what they, they could. And they did a good job yeah, with what they I think had, it, too. Like, Le Leia's point, Leia's purpose in the story, I think, is still fully achieved to what they wanted. You can just obviously with have the more resources if the actor was around. Yeah. yeah, I agree. And I remember there being a lot of buzz, um, you know, knowing Hollywood, no one gets any time to mourn a tragic death because, like, the day yeah, after... Right. Um, Carrie Fisher died. There were articles saying what's going to happen with Leia in yeah, episode what's nine. Gonna go on. And it's like, we don't need to be talking about that right now. <laughs> but, um, yeah, let's, I remember, let's there, sit and I remember there being yeah. a lot of theories and stuff saying that I, I bet they'll recast, I bet they'll do CG. And then, you know, Kathleen Kennedy put out that statement that we are absolutely positively not going to, um, use CG 
for Leia, or we're not going to recast. And we were like, well, what the heck are you going to do? Are you just going to like say she died in the opening crawl or something, or what's going to, what's going to happen. And then I remember they put out that whole, they're going to bring Carrie Fisher back using old footage from the force awakens. And I was like, okay, yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds kind of like the best course of actions, old unused um, footage. Wow. Yeah. While we know that like there was unused footage, I wonder how much unused footage that they had. I know there are, there are like complete scenes that didn't even make it in the, like they, they didn't even make it to the deleted scenes. Like they're just, they were just on the cutting room floor. Um, it's like a lot of the stuff that was on the base on Dakar. Um, I don't. I don't think they used any Last Jedi footage because I don't think there know, was well, much yeah, unshot. I know that. On, that, that I don't think there was much in the Last Jedi that didn't make it to the movie. That's why oh, it was that probably so yeah, hard yeah. to. Yeah, because I know like the never underestimated droid line is just from a full deleted scene in yeah, Force Awakens. Right. So. Um, yeah, but I think you know I I, I respect that JJ was able to kind of bring Leia to life in a very unexpected way. Uh, honor Carrie Fisher's yeah. memory while still completing the story that needed to be told. Yeah. I, I, I really respect JJ for how he handled all of that too. So, um, well, cool. Let's talk about, you know, she goes, Ray goes through like this whole training course. She's like, let me run the course again. And she does. And like, she's going and jumping all these gaps and all these ravines and doing flips over trees and stuff. And then she gets this vision and Kylo and Kylo and Ray kind of get this again, this force Skype connection thing where she gets flashes of like her parents leaving her on Jakku and you know, all this stuff. The throne and evil Ray. <laughs> yeah. And- um, and then it, it cuts to her back on the uh, resistance base and she's like flipping through the Jedi texts. Now, how much do you think Ray has like for for race training, how much do you think she has referenced to the Jedi text to train? Or do you um, think it's all been just from what Luke has told Leia and Leia's passing that on? Bit of both. I would assume that. Well, I, and and I also think this, like character wise, Ray is very Ray is impatient. Ray obviously Ray is struggling right. with trying to get everything figured out so they can win this war. So I would assume while she trusts Leia's training, she would be like, "That's more of like the physical stuff. That's more of like attuning myself physically with the Force rather than the book kind of teaching me like the history and the you know the the different cultural aspects." Yeah. of the Jedi and maybe in that it, it gives pointers and stuff of like force things but more like lightsaber combats probably in Leia's department especially with this movie kind of showing Leia in a Jedi you know combat style yeah and this is the first the first movie where it's actually confirmed that Leia was indeed trained like was trained and, yeah yeah um, and I think that like you were saying, Ray is does kind of get like this impatient, like I, I want to know everything, so hurry up. And I right. think that's kind of to her detriment as well because she still has not yet learned, you know, patience. That, <laughs> it, 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 yeah, if you're patient with the Force, the Force will be patient with you, and vice versa. So I think that Ray is still in this kind of naive learning well, stage like, 
it she's still in that same like era she was in Last Jedi where Luke was like it's more than just moving rocks and while yeah. at the end of Last Jedi she moves rocks she she thinks that she's progressed when and even in that opening the scene the introduction scene with her when she's floating and it's the they're not with me and she just like ugh and all the rocks fall and she <laughs> well, I was she moving does this the rocks cool, right she does this flip yeah. like setting her down and it's like well cool like you figured out like how to how wield to like, the force how to wield the force yeah how do you connect with the force yeah. and that's what this movie does yeah and i again i think this movie pays this off beautifully once we get to it but um so you know finn and poe return we get all this this you know reading with them and there's like this meeting this kind of um briefing room meeting on uh on this on, on the resistance space and Basically, they're talking about how Palpatine has come back, and I think this is pretty controversial because Poe says somehow Palpatine returned. What do you gather from how they handled everyone finding out that Palpatine's back? How do you mean? Like, what so, do you, like, what, do you, like, what do is... you think that? Do, do you think that it could have been handled differently than Poe just saying somehow Palpatine's back? Like, do you think there should have been a different uh, explanation? Y- yes, I, I, I think it should have been. I, I don't think it should have been. If anything, like they like they discover it rather than it being like. Like there, it's the 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 spy gave a transmission, and now they have everything that they need to know. Um, and while movie movie plot wise that makes sense, and I actually really like the General Hux like spy plot. Yep. Um. Yeah, it just feels like it, it was just different. Where it was like all of a sudden it was like okay, they have all the information here. Like this is just what they need to do. Like they have to just go fix it. And I think that they do a good job at kind of pacing that out and giving that adventure. And like that's the story is they have to you know they have to stop all of this from happening. Uh, this scene just feels just it's too expositiony for me. It just it feels like they're just trying to get everything that needs to be set out real quick just so they can they can kickstart the story. Yeah, um, um, I think it's it's not bad. It's not. It's just I don't know. It's kind of jarring for me. It's it's lines like somehow Palpatine returned. Well, I think the we thing have, is we have to stop those star destroyers. No, you I know, think like, the, I think the thing is that the line somehow Palpatine returned. It's not the that that line is not the explanation for how he came back. Yeah. I think you know. I think um, Beaumont Kin, the guy um, Dom, Dominic Monaghan says, right, right. Um, you know, dark, dark science dark cloning secrets only yeah. the Sith. I think that is more towards the explanation, and they're you know these they're listing these possible explanations of how Palpatine could have returned because they don't know. I mean, right again, right, no one yeah. knows. Like he he he's back, and we have to. That's what this movie is about. Is like how do we deal with that if we we weren't expecting this, and we thought the First Order was our only obstacle, and now there's this other big obstacle that's bigger than the First Order, and I think that I go ahead. I think that essentially. Sorry, I didn't mean to. No, go for it. Um. 
I think that like what struck what they struggle with is that like the reveal for Palpatine was too early and maybe they were a little excited like showing him off like in the trailers but even like in the movie I I don't think you should have shown Palpatine right away it's cool that you do and it's cool that you meet him I think that should have that should have been the big reveal like that's the twist is that like that uh, imagine how insane that would have been of not knowing Palpatine's back that would have been cool where it's like the first half it's all about like Kylo Ren's like he's doing something because like maybe Kylo knows and I think that's kind of how you introduce like the dead speak it's these broadcasts like the resistance keeps finding they keep getting these broadcasts of Palpatine so they try and figure out what it is and that's how they you know through whatever plot story they figure out that Palpatine's alive and I think that that would have been you know that would have also been an interesting way to go about it like especially if you know, we didn't get that big reveal at Celebration, and um, right. if we had no that, clue that, that... That trailer with his laugh in the end. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, because I think what they were doing, especially with the Celebration trailer and all that, is kind of testing the waters to make sure everyone was cool with Palpatine returning. Yes, that's very true, yeah. too, is I, I think they, they what they do marketing and movie wise is they play it safe with their big decisions and they just kind of tell you everything just so you know what to expect Um, yeah but I I think it would have been huge if you're just watching this you know for the first time and you don't know anything and you go you're going in and then halfway through the movie boom Palpatine's back Palpatine shows up and then even like halfway into that second half boom uh Razor Palpatine yeah like it's his granddaughter oh like oh like yeah that would those would have been huge reveals but I think that I think that the way that they they just kind of jump right into the Palpatine thing, it gives us time to accept it as the movie's going on. That's true, yeah. and it and it it uses it more to let it let the story focus on Ray's kind of acceptance and struggle yeah. and uh, her journey of fear of having to face Palpatine. Mm-hmm. There's a line Kylo Ren says, "Where he's like, you know more than you show. Like, like you like you're suppressing your memories because like you understand everything and the like." That's at stake. Um, so, and I, and I think the movie shows like like Daisy, or, and even Daisy's re- really portrayal of like her struggle of kind of like she's not accepting it. She doesn't know that it's Palpatine directly, but she understands that there is a power within her that isn't necessarily good. Yeah, and I think that again that that also fuels Ray's frustration of. Okay, I'm being told that my parents were just these nobodies, drunk junk traders, just, you know, buried in a pauper's grave in the Jakku Desert. And she kind of gets this sense of I don't really have much of a purpose then if I'm just this kid, you know, kind of this nobody who, you know, you know, when she's told by by Kylo and she has like this weird reaction of she wants her parents to be somebody so bad and she wants to be a somebody so bad and then she's she realizes that oh yeah you're right my parents were nobody and that's kind of kylo kind of gaslighting her into you know you know kind of ben kenobi's line of i did tell you the truth from a certain yeah, point of view. From a certain point of view. Yeah. Um, well, and I think too, like, especially after being with people like Han Solo and and training under Luke, and like, it it not only frustrates her, it 
angers her that she is she is naturally rooted in evil and she wants so good to, she wants so much to be naturally in the ways of good and kind of you know be that Luke Skywalker you know she she that Ben Solo that she hears so much about it she knows that there's good in this person because yeah. he was born naturally in this good so her struggle and that like her motive and her like journey inward is you know she's naturally brought from this this dark and evil sense to where she has to make this name for herself of being what she wants to be which is this not this naturally yeah. good person and i think to my point earlier i think the way the reason which she's so frustrated with hearing this you know you're nobody it's like you don't have a story is because I think she deep down senses that there is some kind of dark past going on, or some there, there's just something in the Force telling her that there's well, more to this story. Um, and even in like Last Jedi, you know, she's so naturally drawn to the dark side of Ach too. You know, she goes to the hole and like sees has the whole vision or whatever. But it's it's more you were naturally brought to that. Says, what like, is what is that? Oh my god, say? you went straight to the dark with no hesitation. Yeah, you went straight to the yeah yeah. So um, I think. Whether you want to believe it or not, I think there are still nuggets throughout the sequel trilogy that kind of point towards what uh, we get with Ray's lineage. I definitely, I completely agree. Yeah. yeah, and it's just done subtly enough that you could have you could have taken it any which way. But I completely agree. Is that I I won't say this because I know it's probably not true, but I would say that Ray being a Palpatine has probably been planned, if not has been talked about throughout this entire making of this trilogy. Yeah, I, I, I agree as well, because I think, you know, especially reading something like the the Force Awakens um, art of book, there was a lot of, you know, kind of things that alluded to, at least, you know, Ray was this character called Kira, and... It, there was like a, a a concept art of her like swimming underwater of the the ruins of the Death Star in the throne room, and I'm just like, hmm, that's. I wonder if why she was there, like why she would have been right. back at the old Death Star, and they kind of used that to inform what they did with Rise of Skywalker. But let's kind of move on here. Um, I think we're kind of getting a little off track, but. Let's talk about Pasana. What did you think about the Aki Aki Festival that happens every forty two years, and you know how? Kylo is basically able to sense her through the necklace she was given. Um, I I think it's fun. It's 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 a cool set piece of like this big celebration and like I love that action that interaction of them like talking and he, he grabs her and he grabs the necklace. Um. Uh. Yeah, there's not much I have on kind of this sequence. This the the whole planet like like I guess it's another for desert me, planet. It, it's another desert planet, but it, I don't necessarily I say enjoy. I don't necessarily care much until they're in the like snake pit, like when they sink in the like quicksand. Yeah. Um the land, the first Lando scene, I really like. I think that's a really fir- like Did cool you like, that introduction. To be Lando? With- um, no, actually, uh, mainly because like he just, I guess that's just not what I expected Billy D. Williams to be looking like. Um, it's always funny for me in the sequel trilogies, is because like a lot of these actors were kind of 
like immortalized into being these these characters you know yeah. i think of not harrison ford's probably the only exception but like mark hamill and, and carrie fisher is my brain instantly goes to og trilogy luke and leia so seeing them older i almost don't even recognize them yeah so it's funny seeing old lando and being like ah like oh that's who that is like oh okay like, i understand now yeah i think um, i think it's great what they do with the um with again this this force connection between Rey and Kylo, um, how originally it was Snoke that was bridging their minds, and now but I like that it's more natural to yeah, them. And now that you know we we kind of at the end of this movie we get this reveal that they're a dyad in the Force, but now they can kind of like do it <laughs> almost through will just connect with each yeah. other. Um, and, and you know I like Ray even says I really don't want to do this right now. Um, yeah, so you can kind of like, you can kind of infer that Kylo and Rey have been kind of you know sparsely communicating back and forth every once in a while well Um, and just like he he can just like summon her I love I see I I don't know what it is and I it's funny because I've actually heard the argument that Adam Driver really kind of phones in his performance with this I could not disagree with that more I think such the opposite he's he carries that stoic Vader like that's that scary intenseness that Vader has in like Empire yeah where the just the the calmness of him walking out of the room after a failure you know just like speaking volumes kylo has that same energy and i think the a real a good like showcase of that is in this scene when he calls to her and he's just standing there yeah and he's just waiting and he's just he just has this like i love the supreme leader look of my kylo of the forged mask and uh that's actually one of my favorite lines too that ray says to him is uh i can see through the cracks of your mask you're haunted like that's such a oh that's such a chilling line to me I think the dialogue in this movie is great as well. Um, I'm wishy-washy with it. I think, I think there are some really good lines, and there's some. Yes, I agree. There are some very, very well-written dialogue. I think a lot of it can be clunky and you think just so? kind of jarring. Yeah, and and not the entire movie, but there are definitely scenes of. I don't know. There's just there's just weird like there's definitely jarring moments for me where it kind of like. Not like snaps me out of it, but you're kind of like that was weird, and then just like it goes right back you. into it. Yeah, it just doesn't just doesn't jazz with me the whole time, and it's not terrible. It's yeah. not like it ruins it for me, but yeah, there's just some clunky lines for me. Well, cool. Um, one thing I kind of did skip over a little bit was whenever they're you know in that first order briefing room and they see Kylo with his mask back on for the first time, and he like oh, that's, throws that's Bulio's head on. It. He's like, yeah. I love the mask, sir. <laughs> I sense unease about my appearance, General Hux. The mask? No. Good job. <laughs> I like I like it. I There's like a, it. I like it. Yeah. It was like an unexpected comedy moment that I actually really appreciate. Yeah. It's actually like a really yeah, great I, moment. Um, you know what? We're gonna talk about this now, especially because we're on the Pasana part. Go for it. Uh, this is my favorite C three PO movie. Yeah. This is my this is my favorite C three PO in yeah. all of I think the only the second one is Empire because they hold the same energy. Um but Anthony Daniels does such a good job in this movie. Like his delivery on a lot of th- of three PO's lines are so. And good. this is the first time you get and to see three PO get in on the action too. 
I agree. Yeah. yeah. And like they like they really it like they actually use 3PO on this mission and like I I really appreciate that like his purpose and sense of this movie like he's still the classic like like you know telling jokes and like oh he's the dumb annoying droid but like they still give a good like homage and like purpose to 3PO to where yeah. like He's got good scenes in it. It's it's the the him talking about the celebration every forty two years. He's like, oh, it is a great time. There's dancing and music and like you know crafts, and they all turn like, and look at him, and he he's like sitting. Know? He turns to <laughs> what are you guys looking at? It's it's when, it's when they all turn to look at him, and he also turns. I yeah. howl. I laugh so hard at that. Yeah, I think there's there's also some really great comedy moments in this movie. Um, but with that Lando reveal I wanted to talk about the way that Billy D has not lost Lando after like 40 no, years hasn't. that man no, is, it just is Lando you know um, yeah. and especially whenever you know they're on that little transport thing and kind of going they're going through and once they finish up the conversation Lando's just like just give Leia my love and give she's Leia like you can give it to love. her, to her yourself it. Yeah, um, no, I love the uh, Wookiees stand out in a crowd. Like, yeah, I, that's such a Lando line. Um, Th- that's, yeah, that's, such it's just th- so genuine Lando. Yeah, and you can just tell Billy D is just so excited to be back hanging yeah. out and just like is is I remember I remember early like 2015, even like in 2017 with like Last Jedi is like when they would announce all of the like cast members from the old movies returning and Billy D was never in any of them mm-hmm. and everyone on Twitter was just like wow screw Billy D I guess like oh I guess we just hate Billy D Williams yeah. now like yeah I think um, I think. Billy D does great. I mean, he's not very, he's not extremely mobile. Um, so the, they no. only kind of had him like, they could really have him going out on adventures with them. But I think what they did with Lando in this movie, I think it was very well done. And it, I agree. It respects Lando in a very good way. I think, um, to well, me. And like it, it's, it is, uh, it, it's a good Lando to see because it's a Lando. We've only, it's a, it's, it's, after kind of Lando's change of heart, uh, uh, it's it's a Lando that um, like it's the general Lando. It's even it's just as subtle as when he's telling the the shuttle driver that they have when he turns and says something to him. Yeah, and the guy's like, okay. It's like you can tell like this is still like this is a very focused and like like smart like military general who's still in the fight doing his business even though it's not as strong as what they want slash he could be you know it's good seeing the classic lando that we have while also seeing that he himself has grown in his time yeah and i love hearing that story about how lando and luke were working together to find these sith artifacts and I hear a lot of people actually like say that they don't like that line because it's unrealistic to them that Lando would be like somewhere with Luke. Oh, are you kidding me? Um, that is that is but, like, a I love wash. that. I love knowing that like Luke and Lando like developed their own little friendship yeah. and they were able to go on missions themselves. And I'm sure I'm sure Lando's just happy to be there with Luke. Like he's just kind Absolutely, of Absolutely, yeah. You know, he's he's just interested enough. Jedi, in Jedi Master, stuff. Eh? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I like seeing things fly off the wall. Well, really, let's talk about the um, the desert chase really quick. Because I think there's some really great, like you said, 3PO moments in here. The whole, they fly now <laughs> um, kind of thing. 
Um, and then there's just, I think this is a great showcase of a lot of the, a lot of the action in this movie and like what they're capable of with, you know, the, the flying stormtroopers and I all that kind of stuff. I have a strange question about this scene, actually. Go for it. After, after, after years and years and years of a society that has pretty, pretty good tech wise that has been able to kind of sustain itself te- technically um, for the last thousands of years. I mean, this is a, a galaxy and a, and a, and a, and a race of people that have um, established flying ships and, you know, lightsabers and different stuff and yeah. speeders that don't have to touch the ground and so many different types of machines and whatever, whatever, why did they put wheels on their vehicles? <laughs> you would think after enough time of like having no wheels, like you would know that they probably aren't like the best thing. They're yeah. they're more capable of like being sabotaged, which is exactly what happens. Finn throws the it's like a hook or whatever he mm-hmm. throws at it and it gets caught up in the thing and I'm like you guys didn't didn't think that was gonna happen like <laughs> when designing this. You thought that yeah, that was I gonna think be. That's just for the bit, you know. It's just and like honest, it, like they look cool. It's a cool like concept of like yeah. the little like speeder that like like boosts itself so they can throw the stormtroopers. Yeah, I, I, I think that's um, more of just a. There was no practical reasoning behind it. It was kind of just. It wouldn't it be cool if they did. They were able to do this. I just. I think it's funny that it's the first and only time we've actually seen like yeah. a wheel on a Star Wars vehicle, and it 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 is just it. One of them are destroyed for the exact reason why I think they didn't put wheels on anything in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, they were like, okay, we can put wheels on them now, right? No, nah. like, yeah, this works. <laughs> now, <Yeah. laughs> we'll still show them why. We'll remind them. Yeah. Um. um what do you? Th- I've, oh. No, go Sorry, for it. of the actual like sequence, I actually have a lot of fun with this sequence. I think it's a really yeah. cool like chase and um, again, it's the, it's that swashbuckling adventure. Yes, absolutely. It's like and, a scene um, you would see in Return of the Jedi or something. Yeah, and like uh, I love just like the the like cool like drag racing that they do yeah. with it, and just I think it's just a lot of fun to watch. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Like it's not it's not something that. You know, it has to have super high stakes or anything. It's just like, oh, it's just right. a fun, fun chase scene to chase by stormtroopers again to yeah. get them from point e to point A to point B in a creative way. Um, let's talk about the layer of the Vexus and kind of the 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 saga's introduction to force healing with that big, um, big serpent snake thing. Um, you know, we, we did see it before in Mandalorian with Baby Yoda, and I'm I'm happy that they actually kind of took that and ran with it because i think i'm guessing this is just guessing that it was actually in the mandalorian like written in the mandalorian first that concept and i think jj kind of pulled from there and was like oh this has been established now we can use this that kind of thing because what the what the sequel trilogy has done is with every movie they establish a new force power um Again, with the, you know, the the Force Awakens, and you know, he, he stops the bullet, the the bullet, the laser blast in midair, and in the Last Jedi, whenever they're you know they're bridging the gaps of everyone's minds, um, with Rain Kylo's minds. I think with this, I think Force healing is like the new, the new thing, Force wise, you know. Um. Yeah. 
yeah, it's definitely like the transfer of life eff- essence, just yeah. kind of like back and forth. Um, yeah, I never, I never hated this idea. I don't know why people like. No. I don't. Know, we've talked about this before. Of why do people think that they know the force? Yeah. Um, Literally, uh, no one knows the yeah. force. I actually, I, I, I do actually like this scene with the what's it called the the big snake, the. Is it the Vexus? The Vexus. Yeah. The Vexus, yeah. Um, because it, 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 it's not what I anticipated the scene to be. I thought it was going to be another. They get to fight a big snake. Oh, cool. The gang fights. Like, it's cool. Like, Star Wars animals. We always like seeing cool Star Wars animals, especially like, like you said with Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, like the big crate dragon that they fight in season two, you know, like that's uh, oh, like a big Star Wars animal fight thing. They get to fight like a Rancor monster thing. It's a big snake in this one, but instead it's more. Ray calms it and you know connects with it and um such a good step into the Jedi way like to yeah. to find your to find your way out without having to use violence you, like your great, lightsaber should be your last resort it's a great showcase of Ray's compassion too because i would say if if someone like Anakin was down there and ran into that big snake. He would ignite his lightsaber and start chopping that yeah, thing. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, it would have been sliced up in a second. Yeah, whereas Ray, like Ray, sees it. Ray connected. Sees and, that, yeah, you know, I think again, she, she kind of sensed in the Force that there was some, there's some reason why this creature was struggling right. and you know stressed and notices its wound, and I'm I'm wondering if she learned this from the Jedi texts of that this is possible to transfer this life force into another being or if she kind of like the force kind of reached out to her and was like she figured it out for herself Um, I think it was probably from the text I would assume that in the 30 years between Return of the Jedi and Luke's death Luke studied every single aspect about the Jedi and that's kind of in 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 he was able to kind of see like what changed and what was different and what was more ancient and what was more you know the highest of their power when Sidious took over and yeah. um yeah so I, I for at least for me it makes the most sense if she got got it from the book but I would I I've never necessarily thought about it as like the force just kind of told her like all of a sudden she just knows and yeah. and that makes sense to me especially because Ray's like awareness of her senses and like I mean that of like Jedi senses of like Ray's like Ray's able Ray's ability to feel others and their the and sense others mm-hmm. is is a lot stronger than I think is naturally meant she instantly tells that Chewie's on Ren's ship she instantly can tell when when Leia dies yeah um. So yeah, and I and I think like with this Vexus scene is like she can tell this beast is like scared and more defensive rather than it being you know angry and aggressive. And she's like, okay, well maybe there's something else. Oh, this beast is harmed. Like he's hurt. Let me yeah. let me see what I can do to help it. And if it backfires, and it backfires. But I like that. I like that that aspect of Ray. Yeah. That's a very Jedi thing to do. Yeah, and I think. Like we say every time, Star Wars is about choices, and the choice she makes to, instead of going on the offense, to actually be compassionate and, you know, recognize that this creature is struggling and I need to help it, instead of being like, oh, this creature's in our way, we need to get it out of our way. 
you know, help all beings, not just the ones that seem most logical. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, she's, she's taking one of her first steps into understanding what it means to be not only a Jedi, just someone who has the responsibility of <laughs> a good person, no, so yeah, good for a good person and the responsibility of having these force powers and being this in tune with the force. Um, and then let's, let's talk about when they find the, the Sith dagger. Um, now there's been, there's been a lot of, a lot of talk of why would the Sith have a dagger? Um, because originally they didn't, I think it was kind of late in production. I don't know if you watched the rise of Skywalker documentary. No, I didn't about halfway through. They talk about how they didn't know what the object was going to be yet. Um, it was going to be like maybe a scroll or like I think the dagger was in there. And then I think there was also, there was a couple other things and they, they settled on dagger. Now, what, what do you kind of think, um, you think the reasoning behind the use of a dagger is and how that could kind of tie into the ancient Sith. Cause like you can um, only really theorize about it at this point. Um, I, I don't know. I don't have much thoughts on the dagger, especially with like the dagger doesn't make a, a, a full amount of sense to me. And like, its purpose because like it's supposed to it's an ancient sith weapon but it's designed to help tell the location of where the second of a sith holocron yeah or that's what i that's it i'm sorry i said holocron. the design I mean is the same thing as a holocron it's they are very similar yeah, yeah. um so i i i guess it's and maybe it was like the dagger was made in the 30 year gap um you think? Especially with the percent. Yeah, well, it kind of has I, to be. kind of has to, to be. Like, with the location and, yeah, all of that. Um, which, uh, I guess, in the sense of, like, that's what they... Well, I guess it also questions who do you think made the dagger and, like, was aware of yeah, what the Sith Yeah, because I think it was in possession was. of Ochi. Um, right, right. And, and I guess was Ochi because Ochi was told by Palpatine to kill the parents. So I guess it was Palpatine. I wonder if Palpatine had the dagger like yeah, set up I don't and made know. and then. Yeah, I don't know. So you're just kind of like, huh? I really need um, to read the um, the novelization because a lot of the times the novelizations I, kind of fill in these little gaps of questions you might have. I might as I might as well. Yeah, <laughs> I might read the Shakespeare version. Have you seen those? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I think with the dagger, I don't, I guess I don't, I don't hate the idea. I kind of like the idea of like an old, an ancient Sith artifact and it's so old. It's an actual blade. Yeah. Again, um, it's, it's kind of one of those it's designed. It is a plot device by design. So like it's there absolutely. because it needs to get yeah. them to, you know, um, Kefbur and, you know, yeah, to make, um, uh, to make three PO go through his whole dilemma, which we'll get to in a second. His whole thing. Um, yeah, I think overall, I don't necessarily care enough to, to like not 
enjoy it, but yeah, I'm definitely really aware enough that, that I'm like it's not really something that is a cause for any kind of criticism to me, honestly. Right, but like when it when it all plays out, you're just kind of like, huh, okay, cool, I guess. Yeah. Like that's that's all right. Like <laughs> Yeah, to me it's just like, oh, that worked fine. And then boom, you're like, back yeah, in right, it. Right, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, not like I agree. I you agree. see how convenient that dagger was. That shouldn't have been so convenient. <laughs> Why? Do you want the movie to be thirty more minutes long? Like, what do you want? Yeah, right. Um <laughs> what is this? Avengers Endgame? Yeah. I mean, come on. But um, let's talk about once they escape the cave and they find out the first order is basically on their butt and Chewie's captured. And then we see Kylo's tie approaching and we get that awesome, awesome moment from the, from the teaser trailer where Ray does this force jump over Kylo's tie fighter and kind of destroys it. And, and- man, I just... That is such a great uh, showcase of just a badass Ray moment. He he walks out of that unscathed. Oh yeah, he doesn't even have a he's, scratch. He's, he doesn't even have a scratch on him. Yeah. He is fine. He uses the force. Yeah, I kind of thought that too. It was like I wonder if he like pushed out and Absolutely. like kept the ball of his tie like intact so it didn't crush him in its crash. The ball of his tie. <laughs> Yeah, right. Like he just kind of like forces the yeah. metal like to stick out so it won't like break as he's or going. Or like he forced open the trap door on the top and jumped out just in <laughs> like time. Hopped out. Yeah. <laughs> we, go, we need to go frame by frame on that and make sure. Yeah, right. Can we see him do his little flip out? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, that jumps such a cool scene, and like uh, I love the focus that she has. I think it's funny that like she pulls something off like that, and then immediately loses control of her emotions and and blows up a ship. Like, yeah, that's kind of a big reveal of her using that's a the crazy force scene. Yeah. yeah, I remember I remember seeing that for the first time and being like, even even understanding walking in that Ray was going to be a Palpatina, you just kind of knew after like seeing trailers right. and stuff that like something like that was going to happen. And then like she shoots the light. And you're like, ah, right, like say less. You 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 just need to say it at this point. And luckily they do. But like, yeah, I remember seeing that for the first time, being like, oh shit. Like, I was low key convinced oh, like, that Chewie died there. Like like they blew up Chewie. Like yeah, I was <laughs> like, like, that's damn. how like, Chewie's going out. That's a that's a way to go out. Yeah yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a crazy scene. And like, you know, I, I'll also talk about this too. We can talk about this a little more later with like the final like encounter with them. But um, I wish the Knights of Ren were a little, yeah, scarier. Understood. Yeah. Uh, I think that the, what they're in is really cool and all of the shots. I love their like cinematography. I don't know why. Just the, a lot of the whenever they are on screen, a lot of the JD camera choices said, that hey, they use. Hey, stand there and look cool and we'll do a cool shot. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, the shot, the 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 like drone like wraparound That's shot. That's a cool it's shot. Super though. basic. It is a cool shot though. That's yeah, like something you stick in the trailer one. and then it gets people excited for Knights of Ren. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um. Yeah, so uh, that's kind of the that's like my criticism of that scene, but uh, that jump and even just like the struggle in between, and you just you can see it just how much power that Ray has. I think this movie does a really good job showing how strong Ray and Kylo are in the Force compared to something like a Luke, but more B Anakin, yeah. more kind of Anakin sense because Anakin was hyped to be this really strong like sense in the Force, whereas like. Ray and Kylo 
it it's shown more naturally. I mean, Ray stops that ship instantly, not blows it up, but more like when she reaches out to grab it, she instantly holds it back. And that's a cool shot too when it's kind of down behind Ray and it's it's right after Finn yeah. says they got Chewie and she just reaches out to grab it. Um, and how that's her first yeah, instinct I, is to just use the force to stop to just, the ship. Just gra- yeah, to yeah. just grab it. Yeah. Um, In the way that Kylo is also strong enough to counteract her. Right. That whole that sequence of, of the ship just going back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that that is also we, we haven't really seen anything like that before either. Um, or, or even seen a force user that's strong enough to stop a ship in midair. Um, right. And which like, I think and to, and to I see, think to me. Anakin would have been capable of doing that. We just haven't. I agree. We yes, never seen it. So I, I agree. And it's more the aspect of like it's modern filmmaking. It's yeah. that we are more capable of able to convey this story right uh, visually than than you know dialogue and whatever and all that. So yeah, that's that's kind of the other side of it as well. But um, yeah, it, it, this is a really great sequence and i think this is a really cool like final act on this planet like the like the final like sequence of this planet Mm -hmm. scene um it goes out strong too and this is kind of where the movie kicks up for me is is pretty much from here on it finally it it finally finds its footing around this moment and it really kicks into gear i think for me as well um there's one thing i wanted to ask you what do you think about dio I thought Dio was cute. Dio's like uh, the, the, the no, no, thank you. Like that, it's kind of wholesome. Um, he, he's the droid with, with with you know anxiety, and you know he he's kind of like this lost puppy of you know he was abandoned on this ship, and you know probably mm-hmm. been 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 abandoned on this ship for twenty years, and hello, yeah, and and was probably was probably not treated very well by Ochi. Oh yeah, no. Um, so the way that he is. He he sets boundaries, um, you know, but for himself. And this is the first time that I think anyone has ever respected his bound. And I think this is like just a yeah. good, a good encapsulation of, you know, th- there's this being that ha- that you know has this anxiety and has these boundaries that he's not really comfortable being around people at least yet because he hasn't warmed up to him. And I think this movie is a good. It's a good way to show that droids aren't just these mindless robot right. beings. Like there's more to droids than just that. And droids have feelings too. And, you know, I think it's just a good lesson in general of respecting boundaries and, you know, not everybody is ready to jump into a full conversation and be best friends with you right away. You know, they got to absolutely give, give them some time, you know, got to respect people and respect a droids, you know? <laughs> um, I think with Dio too is I kind of I, I appreciate that Dio isn't uh, overused in this movie. Yeah, I think um, that's what I was afraid of too is him being kind of a gimmick. A lot, I think a lot of people were afraid yeah. of that. Is yeah, making it a new gimmick droid and yeah, the new fun sidekick. It's let's uh, we're gonna replace BB-8 yeah. mid movie and, no, and, and I think they, didn't. they used and, him and, just enough and he's just memorable enough too. Yeah. So I think they, I think what they did with Dio is great. And the fact that JJ voices him is also awesome. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know JJ voiced Dio. That's yeah, funny. That's, that's JJ. So, um, I, I remember <laughs> hearing the first time I was like, why does that voice sound so familiar? And then like two days later, I, guess I, I just, article. I guess I just don't know what JJ Abrams sound like. Cause that's just not the voice that I put to that face. Oh, you don't, you never seen JJ talk. 
I, I thought I have, but I guess I'm, I probably hasn't been in a minute. Well, like, I understand I mean, they probably have changed oh, some yeah, it's, stuff for, it's very, like, for the movie. Yeah, it's, it's very altered, but it's JJ's voice. That's funny. Yeah. Well, let's kind of talk about their next mission here where they're going to Kajimi because, you know, he knows Poe knows this droid, this per- droid mechanic, basically, um, <laughs> in order to, you know, change three PO's. <laughs> programming in order to read the sith language yeah we get babu frick on kajimi um what do you kind of think of kajimi and poe's past with the whole crew on kajimi see here's the thing i wish all of poe's past came up in last jedi it feels so forced in this movie um and i think it's funny that they that like they do the 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 line sequence of the uh, you were a stormtrooper uh <laughs> you were a spice runner you were a stormtrooper you were a spice runner you, you were, were a scavenger, scavenger. Can we can do day. this all day <laughs> yeah so great um i completely agree with poe it's just like yeah like we were all different aspects like being tormented by the first order and the empire yeah. like like we're just here to win this war together. Like, why are you giving me crap for for my previous life? And even then, like, of course, po, where do you think Poe got all this experience from? Like, he's like the best pilot in the Resistance yeah. for a reason. He didn't just he didn't do that just by being a pilot. Like, well, they do kind of at least in this movie they do kind of you know slowly bring it up because whenever Poe's hot wiring that one transport on Tassana, right, like Finn's they, like, hmm, they, how do you know how to do that? How do you know how to do that? They like they like hint at it, but I I I feel what I meant by like forced is like the overall like the having to have a dialogue about Poe's past feels forced. You think? Like it just it just feels off that like they're just now questioning why Poe can do all of these things when if anything at least Finn has been around him and has been yeah. with him on these missions like he must have seen something in Poe like that Poe can do and the the stuff that they get. So I don't know. It's not that it's it's bad. It doesn't take me out of the movie. It just it feels forced like trying to do it. But I do like the payoff of it of them being on Kajimi. I think <laughs> I don't. Uh, 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 what is her name? What's the the Zori Bliss? Zori. Yes. Um the character and the idea and the dialogue scene with her and Poe on the rooftop is really good. Great, yeah. Whoever played her, I can't think of her name. Carrie Russell has just, just uh, Carrie Russell just has such stale, like portrayal of her lines. Um, I think she tries to play her a little too mysterious and stoic. I completely. Yeah. Like I understand all of the choices she made, but it's like, what's her line when she shows up in the big, in the big final battle. She's like, see you there spice runner. I'm like, all right, like, yeah, you're yeah. like easy. You're like, yeah, easy. Yeah. Um, yeah, with Kajimi, I I really like. I think the most I like out of Kajimi is a Babu Frick, but the um the dialogue scene between Zori and Poe, the, the you know when she shows him the captain's medallion, she's like, "Come with me." He's like, "I can't walk out in this war." Like that's a that's a really Great good scene. monologue yeah. Poe has when he's yeah when he talks about all of that. Um, um, this is a random note too that it just popped in my head. But a line that stuck out to me in this whole sequence is when is when Kylo Ren and like when they show up and he kind of figures out that they're on Kajimi, Hux is just like, Shall we destroy the city? He's like, Let's blow it up. Like, let's destroy it. <laughs> yeah. Um, um I think Kajimi is a really I like the design a lot. 
Um, I do too as well. It's very it's not, not really anything we've ever seen because we've seen a snowy planet, we've seen all that, but we really haven't seen it like actually snowing, <laughs> like a like a city in the Alps too. Yeah, like. I think it, it looks great, and I think it really it really speaks to the color palette of this movie as well, like the whole blue thing. I agree. I thought you know I thought the same thing as well in the Kajimi scenes watching it earlier. Yeah, we get the blue, and especially with Exegol too, because. I mean, with the last Jedi, we got crate, which is like the red, uh, the, the salt covered right. red mineral, and this we have Exegol, which is like the big planet. And this, which is mostly blue and everything. So I, I like that JJ kind of followed Ryan's whole. This movie gets a color, color palette. Scheme, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think again with Zori and Babu and that whole team, I like that it's almost like this. It it would be cool to see, like a little novel series or something about like kind of like their run-ins with um i bet you that's what the poe dameron comic is about i know that there's books about poe dameron and like there's i think there's a just book came of, out in like december or november yeah there's and like i think there's, there's one that's all about like how he started in the resistance so i yeah. wonder if that picks if that like has at yeah, least a I little bit of we his really need to get get into a lot of more of the sequel era um like comics and books because I might there's read probably the a phasma book. Yeah, I've heard might, I've heard might, that one's good I've, too, Delilah S. Dawson. I've heard it's I've heard it's different. It's not like a normal like it, I, apparently the whole book is told through a different perspective. Interesting. About phasma. Um so yeah. Yeah, I we'll want to keep up on on canon especially a lot more, but um let's talk about Babu. <laughs> Babu Frick. What do you think about Babu? <laughs> Hello. I Babu Frick. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I am Steve Rogers. Babu, yeah, right. Babu Frick is someone I did not anticipate to be who he was, but I didn't hate it. Be- especially with, I think this was the cute little alien species they pulled off well, because that sometimes can be a little annoying. Um, if not or executed weird. well, yeah, yeah. Like it's it's obviously it's it's what jj wanted or not jay it's what like george wanted like in return with you know the this the the job of the hut jazz yeah. and like the whole song it's like oh the aliens are quirky and cute and it's like no it's it's a little weird but we're in this one it's like oh he's he's a droid manufacturer he's a droid tech and he's this little dude he's this little guy he's a little um, guy as as, our, as thomas rosden would like to say the expert on little yeah, guys and, uh, yes an expert in little guys that's right uh, we should have had them guests just so we could talk about I know. Babu Frick the whole time. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you know whenever he does, whenever he does like transfer the programming in three PO, it's so sad that you know, whenever three PO gets that moment of like, you, you okay there, three PO? What are you doing? I'm just taking a chance to look at my friends for the last yeah. time. That hit me. That always hits me when I watch this movie because I'm like, oh my god, damn, three PO. <laughs> actually thinks that he's just he's not going to see them again like he's his run is over let me ask you something go for it would you have i say this but i mean it in a in a, a much grander scale would you have killed 3po would you have a let his memory stay wiped be actually like it like destroys 3po like it's it, this is his end to his story or do you like the way that it is where it's 
I felt that like although this is a good scene and his like whole Sith translation actually right. gives me like anxiety watching. Um, I knew from the beginning that he was going to be fine. I knew that R two was going to have sure. something and to keep it up. I wasn't. You sure. weren't sure. Um, yeah, I think to your question, I probably would have either not not done anything um, to that effect with with three PO. Or if he did have his memory wiped, I probably would have kept it that way. Um, yeah. Only because, you know, it, it just would have been, you know, sacrifices have to be made, especially in war and things like this. And I think that keeping it that way would have made it to where not all of these sacrifices can be fixed. And there's not always a resolution for everything because it just feels more real life that way. Like that's, that's life. Um, well, and I... I'm glad that at least with 3PO, like they they don't fix him until the end. It obviously yeah. like the, he doesn't have the chance to do it. So I like that they we do at least get like uh, <laughs> when he when he introduces himself and Poe. Okay, that's gonna be a problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's great. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I don't necessarily. I don't. I don't hate what they did with 3PO. It's just. Yeah. Um, I agree with the sacrifices is that some things need to carry some weight in order to to fully kind of convey it. And I just while I am glad they don't do it right away, I just think that fixing 3PO after hyping up how big of a decision it was can almost undermine the decision that was made with the whole thing in this movie of how many like fake outs there are with. Yes. You know, especially with with Chewie's fake out death. We even have. Um, we think that Babu Frick and um, Zori Bliss die on Kajimi when it's destroyed and they end up coming back yeah. and they're alive and then we think that 3, 3PO is going to be destroyed and we're not going to have 3PO anymore. It's just going to be like this this brand new, we don't know this guy and then he restores memories. So that's not a thing anymore because it kind right. of just like where does it end kind of thing. Like yeah, when, are the, when are the sacrifices actually coming? Um but again, it's not something that I that ruins this movie for me. Nothing, nothing that in that is in this movie ruins this movie for me. Um, kind of going forward, and you know, they end up, you know, getting on the the first order transport or the transport. What is that ship called? The um, oh, Ren's ship. Yeah, what is Whatever what is Ren's big destroyer called. called? I don't remember either. But um, when she's on there, when when Ray is on the ship, and she goes into Kylo's <laughs> Kylo's quarters and it kind of looks like a really bougie Airbnb. Um, uh, I love Kylo's quarters. Actually. Yeah. I love the design of it. Yeah. It's very, the finalizer. it's very empire. That's ship. It, it is very empire. Um, and just their whole battle of, they're not actually in each other's presence, but they're fighting through right. the force in such a weird way. I just want to, I just want to know what it would look like for an onlooker. I'm just <laughs> right. Just to see like Kylo Ren, just like hacking in the street. Like, <laughs> it's like, what are you doing, man? Are you okay? They're like what's going on there, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> the right. stormtrooper watching him before. Va- okay. Imagine being the stormtrooper watching all of that. And all of a sudden Darth Vader's helmet just like appears yeah, and drops like, in front heck? of him. And he's like, <laughs> but I think the way that was shot is super well done because it, it, it was that liberty. Of being very confusing to see. It's like, wait, isn't isn't he isn't she on the ship? Why is she down there? And stuff like that. But the way right. they cut it and the way it's shot is so well done and, and keeps like, it so that's, coordinated. 
that force Skype cinematography that they use is always really cool where yeah. like it's always looking directly at them as they look away. Yeah, it's a very good um, way it, it it's a very good way of keeping it cohesive. You know, it doesn't get confusing. I agree. Um which yeah. I, I appreciate a lot. And I think it's a testament to JJ's filmmaking ability as well. Um well, you know, they're they're on this ship because they're 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 basically rescuing Chewie, which they do. But we get this reveal that Hux is the spy, and I do have one. I'm the spy. I do have one criticism slash note. Um, that it's a very very nitpicky thing, but I think it would have been just as effective if Hux didn't say I'm the spy, but instead he shot the two he shot the two troopers that were holding them, and then he just like go. And then we would have picked up. It was just like leave, like yeah. oh, like we would have picked up that. Oh yeah, crap! Hux is the spy, without him saying I'm the spy. But again, that is like the most nitpicky thing you can you can pick about. But um, I I kind of agree with that. I I will say I do like the I'm the spy line. I just I don't know. I I think it was it's always kind of funny to me hearing it. But um, yeah, I think that by this point we've kind of Hux is kind of like this buffoon. Um, and you know, I think that line is kind of pretty in character. Well, let me go on my Hux rant is Hux's plot line in this has such good potential and I'm really disappointed in how that character ends. Um, especially after everything that we've kind of gone through with him yeah, in the last two his movies. Yeah, death is kind of, it's not He's a big just deal. just killed off. Yeah, it's just kind of a joke. It's just a joke play, and they are so quick to replace him with... Uh, Allegiant General Pride. Pride. I can't think of that actor's name. I think Richard Grant e. is Grant. Richard Grant, that's it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and actually, I do like Pride as a character. I kind of wish that it would have been cool seeing Hux and Pride as like... Dude, we need, like, a, we need a Pride novel. Yeah, we do need a pride novel. Um, yeah, so I just feel like um, I'm really disappointed in how Hux ends up and just kind of this overall like trilogy. And um, I think that they had a lot of potential of him being the spy and him being this, you know, like his whole motivation is just to prove like just to rub Kylo Ren in the dirt. Like he doesn't care about the war anymore. He's just obsessed with proving himself right. I think we do kind of get that, you though. know. And, oh, that's what I'm saying is like we do get that but like it's so quick to end you think they just you know? took it, like, they should have just took it and ran with that I think that they should see I think that pride necessarily while I like his character shouldn't have been a character I think that I think that that all should have been Hux not directly like with him like mainly serving the emperor over Ren but like I should I wish that it was more kind of the conflict of like Hux is trying to maintain yeah. this first think, order with, with. I think for me, the purpose of Pride is because I think Pride is almost the the Emperor's you know the whole Final Order thing. I think he is the end for the Final Order for the First Order. So he's yes. kind of like giving intelligence of what the Final Order is and how the First Orders, what part the First Order is playing in the eventual final order. And I think that's kind and of I, pride's I th- thing here. Sorry. Uh, I think that 
kind of overall with this Hux thing is honestly the only thing that even if I couldn't change if I could only change one thing it would be the scene of his death I wish they just did his death death. a little different yeah Yeah. I wish it was a little more kind of personal or at least more impactful grand yeah grander in the sense of just quickly shooting him um I always did love the idea of Hux being like in the Colin Trevorrow script of like he like so he he's got like Mace Windu's lightsaber yep. in it and he's like he's like jealous of force users and that's like his that's actually his whole motivation and is Kylo that he's like just walks like, in on him trying to use the force and yeah and well like and he takes his own life like with Mace's lightsaber yeah. and yeah uh, we we might have to do a little bit of an episode on uh, that duel the fate script because it's kind of interesting um I do, I don't necessarily think it would have been I don't think it would have been as impactful and emotional at, to me as um, the rise of Skywalker uh, was It's too different for me to even yeah. make that kind of, yeah, I think that it would have been, I can see why they didn't go through with it. One, because it would have been impossible because Carrie Fisher is no longer with us, but also right. just the way they kind of run with this whole, um, it, I, I'll, I'll move on in a second here. Cause this isn't the duel of the fates talk, but just kind of the way that you know, they run with the whole Ray and Poe romance doesn't, it, I don't buy that. And there's a bunch of things in, in that whole script that I'm just like, yeah, this would have been cool to see this and that, but I don't think it would have, it would have clicked with me or a lot of the star right. Wars fans. But um, let's kind of move on here to kind of the big su- su- supposed twist of the movie. And they kind of allude to it throughout the movie, but how they reveal Kylo reveals that Ray is a Palpatine. And I remember seeing this conversation play out on screen. They're going back and forth. He's like, do you really want to know? Do you really want to know your, uh, your family? And right. she's like, yeah, just tell me about what you're a Palpatine. And I go, huh? And at first I expected to be much more shocked by that. And I was like, you know what? No, it makes sense. Like that's, that's like, I get it now, you know? Yeah. I, I agree that like, I definitely felt to be more surprised hearing it. I think for me, it was more, I remember hearing it and being like, so, (coughs) excuse me. (coughs) Choked on my spit while I said that. Don't do Um, that. Don't do that. Um, I think for me, it was more the, it was like, oh, so that's what they went with. All of these theories after all of these years. And they went with that one. And like, that's cool that they did that. It's more, um, just I felt think, last last notice. <laughs> I think what people are what people struggle with is the fact that he doesn't only say you're a Palpatine, he says that Palpatine is your grandfather. And it's not really explained how that is so. Um so it's kind right. of like it's just kind okay, of Okay, yeah, yeah, but how? Um and it, it's you, you, right. you don't really explain it until um I think like a couple scenes um so i i can understand well, how Kylo, that can be Ky- overwhelming kylo ren says the you know my my mother was the daughter of vader and your father was the son of a Pal- of palpatine like so i'm like okay well at least we know like yeah. palpatine had a son but like when where how <laughs> uh i remember when rise of skywalker came out i'm gonna swear in this too when rise of skywalker came out there was an onion article that the headline for it was uh, a new star wars movie proves only one thing that that emperor palpatine fucks <laughs> <laughs> yeah kind of like cool You're like hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just but it's also like i don't care you know 
I, I yeah, I don't care. Yeah, it's like it, so. You know, I don't know. Um, but I'm I'm completely cool with her being a Palpatine because I think that creates a really interesting dynamic of the whole yin and yang of of Kylo being born into light but becoming dark, and Rey being born into darkness and becoming light, and we get this great dyad yin and yang that I think really, really works once you actually watch the the trilogy as a whole. Um, I agree. With that in mind, and I think that it it makes the interesting and the character the interesting character dynamic so well done, and it's so interesting to watch and pull from these little nuggets throughout the trilogy that kind of point to that. So I think that's that's always fun, and you know, it's one of those things where. Again, with people with The Last Jedi and saying that that is undoing what Ryan Johnson did for Ray, which, you know, I think that it it brings up a new question of, or not even question, just a new revelation to me of it's, it, it makes Ray kind of find out that it's not about who you what your lineage is and whether you come from a nobody or not, whether you come from something or not, it's not about that. It is always about what you choose to do and what, what, what you choose to make of yourself, no matter what your background is, you know, and no, well, no matter where and you come from and your bloodline, especially this says a lot about this movie says a lot about bloodlines as well. Right. And I, I I completely agree with that. And I think what what the difference was that in maybe Force Awakens, but more in Last Jedi, is that it's it it was more established that anyone can be this, anyone can be the one, and yeah. kind of the 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 person. Whereas Rise of Skywalker takes that, and it's you can be any one that you want to be even with this dark kind of uh yeah. i'll say i'll say past but i mean you know tar you know dark uh aspect hanging over is that you can still be the person that you want to be it turned into even nobodies are are special to even nobodies in even nobodies destined to be something different can be someone yeah. you know yeah and i think that you know, I, well, I, I do want to shout out really quick. Um, Joseph Scrimshaw of the Four Center podcast did a really great episode on this. Um, they he, they do like a over at Four Center. They do like a um, every once in a while. There's a segment called Star Wars Counseling where people like send mm-hmm. in their grievances with Star Wars and what they don't like about Star Wars. And he kind of talks you through it and why like why it's okay to accept it. And there's a great one That's about cool. how Ray how Ray's a Palpatine, and it basically you know walks you through of you know why why that whole revelation is important and you know it's it's i have to beg everybody to listen to it because at first you know i had my reservations about ray being a palpatine but that listening to that cleared it right up and i'm in total acceptance of it now so um i highly recommend anybody who's listening if you haven't if you haven't listened to force center recommend i highly recommend anyway kind of moving on here ray, ray is a uh, palpatine we discover that we land on the mission to Kef Burr, which is the planet in the Endor system that the Death Star remains are on. What? So here's one thing. When you saw the teaser trailer, did you recognize that was the Death Star remains on that one shot in the ocean? 
the first time yes i didn't and i don't know why i thought really? I, I was like that's a weird looking mountain range what's that well <laughs> i think too is a lot of people expect it to be on the forest moon of endor instead of it being on a different moon of endor so people don't recognize that that's like and like that that's the endor yeah. system yeah well i I love when you whenever they run into Jana and her crew, and we we end up realizing that they're actually also a bunch of defected stormtroopers. I think that's great to know that Finn's not the only one. Like people actually followed in his footsteps, and you know discovered that there is a way out. And if if you're if you're brave enough, and if you have the if you have the the willpower, the willpower, and the courage, and the passion to actually defect from this horrible you know toxic environment it is possible and you know i think that that's that's really great and i think that is a great also a theme and lesson in this movie as well which there are there are a ton of but um i love the the kind of parallels between the force awakens and this whenever ray's going through the death star remains using the moves she kind of used on the on the yeah, death yeah. death uh sorry destroyer Star remains Destroyer on Jakku. I think that was a great it kind of coming full circle for Rey. Um what do you what do you think of Rey and you know the her journey onto the remains of the Death Star and she goes in the throne room and has that revelation on that one controversial side room. Um the controversial side room yeah, this, so I remember there being a lot of uproar about how in the throne room, you know, that side room she goes in to get the Wayfinder. Yeah. He, people saying that that wasn't there in Return of the Jedi. So, well, that definitely wasn't there. That room's so much bigger no, than but they like... Don't even, they don't even show that side of the room in Return of the Jedi, so there's like no way of even knowing that. Oh, really? Yeah. So I, there was a lot of uproar of... JJ's just doesn't know Star Wars because he put in well, a room that wasn't there. It, like, I think it's more like it looks closer than where like it's actually supposed to be. Yeah. Um. But you know, that doesn't bother. Obviously, I didn't. I didn't even know that right. that was a controversy. I don't know. Well, anyway, just what's a kind, of, in the what's room. kind of your thoughts on like you know her getting on the the Death Star for the first time and kind of seeing like these echoes of the past with the stormtrooper helmets and getting into that throne room. Uh, this is actually, it's one of my, my favorite uses of like the emperor motif in this movie is when like she climbs into the, the, um, the throne room and it plays the like emperor theme, but it does the like Vader's death one where it's the, like just the really high pitch version Mm -hmm. of it. Um, no, I like that. And, um, I think like the whole vision she sees is cool and like <laughs> the the dark gray hisses at her. I always laugh at that whenever dark gray. It's so bonkers <laughs> like, that it's that's it's awesome. It's a wild, yeah, it's a wild scene. Um with the sharp teeth. No, yeah. Yeah, and then um ugh, this fight, the fight sequence between Kylo and Rey. Oh, it's so wonderful. Good. And it's just it's so beautiful. It is shot. so it's, it is so Obi-Wan and Anakin on Mustafar, but with water. I agree. Yes, I agree. And I and I love how, you know, the fighting style of the sequel trilogy is very heavy and clunky. And hello, sir. Um, it's very heavy and clunky. That was Jackson giving and, me a kiss on the forehead, by the way. Yeah, I was giving Braden his good little nappy nap kiss. That's right. 
Um, I like that, even though that both the while yes, Kylo Ren's fighting style is more attuned is is been attuned. Ray is more attuned. I like how this is still kind of a like a heavy fighting scene. I like that Ray fights with the Skywalker saga or the Skywalker lightsaber like it's heavy, like Anakin did. Yeah. Rather than Luke, who just kind of had it. And granted, those were different time frames. They obviously didn't establish like how the blade was used, but like Anakin uses his very heavy. You know, uses it like a broadsword. And Ray follows that as well. And I think the reason people give Ray a lot of crap for it is because look at Ray. Would yeah. Ray be able to hold a big, heavy broadsword easily? Like, obviously, she's going to be yelling and swinging it around heavily to get those hits. Like, I would that argue makes sense that, to that, me. You know? I would argue that Luke did, did because, um, you know, I mean, Mark Hamill has even said that George Lucas told them that the handles of lightsabers are actually very heavy and like you had to be very right. like agile and, and with them and Anakin I, kind of swung it around really crazy like it was nothing. Right. I'm, I'm not saying that Luke didn't. I'm just saying like Anakin was definitely more like prevalent and even like I think also like in like the Clone Wars series that's where like Anakin's usage of the heavy used blade is is more prominent yeah. and I think that like this was very accurately shown yeah. in live action of of it being a heavier aspect and, and other people using it you know yeah um yeah this is a killer fight scene this is a really cool yeah i think the choreography um, is 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 a perfect mix between that kind of emotionally fueled fight that we get in you know the original trilogy and those kind of fights and something like the the prequel trilogy where it's more focused on the flashy choreography i think it's a great mixture of that kind of thing um and just the motion the emotion that that Adam driver and Daisy Ridley put behind the performances for this fight too is great because you it really feels like this fight has a lot of weight and it's kind of like, you know, cause it, you, you watch this fight in the trailers and it is something that you expect is in the, the climax of the film. And right. you realize that we're, Oh my God, we're only halfway there. So I think that's just a testament to, you know, the filmmaking and the performances as well. Um, but kind of after this fight, uh, Ray takes Kylo's ship off into the distance and Kylo's kind of stranded on um Kef Beer and we get a great return of Han Solo. This surprised me. This moment floored me whenever Harrison Ford came back and we hear that hey kid and I yeah. kind of I I got emotional whenever I saw Harrison Ford on screen up. again. Yeah. I was like oh my god what's happening and then you realize that like this is kind of just like this imagination just a memory vision yeah. memory thing in kylo's mind and he's kind of he's it's continuing on and progressing as he wanted it to you know as you know as yeah like this is like how this, is what this it should interaction was supposed to be yeah yeah, yeah. Was, well, yeah. um just give me your and thoughts it's, on it's this sad. whole interaction well it's sad that it 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 didn't happen until like he had to lose both his parents to re- to kind of be that push um you know he kills han to kind of let that be his his uh his like initiation and like his Basically, final yeah, say yeah. into stepping into the dark and it's his mother reaching out and before and giving all of her life essence to yeah let's talk about to reach out and it, we'll talk about that at too, least say yeah. um 
that's see that's for me that's the scene that i get choked up is when while they're fighting and she says ben and he never just lost turns. hope in her son she never lost uh, hope in her son it's just so heartbreaking to me and it's just like and i love it and i love how ray is to i actually love the imagery of that scene of ray stabbing kylo is that she does it a with the red saber and b she does it out of anger yeah and and it isn't until Leia's death that it snaps her back into reality. And she's like, um, oh, crap, what did I do? <laughs> right. And the, and it's cool that, like, she instantly plays into the, you know, the dyad of they kind of have to keep each other sustained is that even though she can. Pr- I think the thing is that they can both prove to each other that they, if given the opportunity, can one up each other. They really are balanced in kind of their skill trade. Yeah. Um. But that also goes to the sense of keeping each other alive is that they both are the best possible option for that by trading those, you know, life vests to each other. And she instantly helps him and is just like, it's almost like she's sorry, you know, like she's just like instantly she runs and steals his shit. But she's like, sorry, I stabbed you and your mom died. Have fun at Death Star (laughs) 2. Like, yeah. And I think that's um, kind of where Kylo I think this is where Kylo first experiences this whole force healing thing too as well, which also pays off at the end. Um, yeah. Because he's kind of like, he kind of has this look of shock on his face of wait, you can do that. Yeah. He's just like, Oh, Oh. And it's like his breathing. Like yeah. he, he like calm, gets more calm and he's just like, Whoa. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I think this is a, an a plus Harrison Ford performance as well. I agree. Yeah, it's a really it's a really well done. Even though it's just a cameo, it is a very well done cameo. Yeah. And how he does the face touch again. And instead of instead of Kylo instead of that happening and Kylo kind of like, you know, being weirded out by it, he kind of embraces the face Whoa. his father touching him. Notice how Han does it before the lightsaber. Yeah. It's 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 done before he does anything, and I think that's probably the difference of what should have happened was that instead of Han being like, okay, like let's do it and giving Kylo the opportunity to kill him, you know, instead Han reaches out yeah. to his son and kind of, he touches his face and it's just like the touch of a wow. father's love. Yeah. Just that's, that's all you needed. Yeah. And, um, I think Ben returned when Leia died. Absolutely. And I think yeah. Kylo Kylo Ren dies when he throws the saber. Like that is that is cut and dry. Yeah. That's, that's that's the switch. That's it. Um that's that's the moment. I think that, you know, as much as as much as people hate it, I think that is also an echo to the last Jedi of Luke throwing the saber behind him. Yeah. I think this is Kylo's way it's of you know what being done with it. Yeah, because I think the saber the saber is symbolizes killing and death whether it's a jedi saber or a sith saber the 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 saber is used for killing it is a weapon it is a weapon a jedi's weapon and that's again i think to me um luke throws the lightsaber behind him because that is he doesn't want anything to do with that anymore because this the young ling killer 9000 um yeah right and i think with kylo he's like he basically I'm done with this. You know, my, I've, I've seen, I don't know if he's technically at this point, if he has seen his mistakes yet, but he is just now coming to terms of, Oh, maybe me, me being like, this is probably not a great idea anymore. <laughs> maybe being the bad guy. Yeah. wasn't that fun anyway. And he even, he, he kind of expected his life was going to end when he got stabbed by Ray as well. 
So he yeah. kind of knows what it was like to. I oh well, my god! I, I, I almost died while. Well, and regretting I think too, all like, this. Most of the trilogy, Kylo Ren does a lot of his actions because if he fails, he dies, and if he goes back, he dies. Yeah. So he didn't see it. Like he was forced to stay in this darkness, and then. It isn't until he understands that he and Ray really are like a power together, that yeah. they really are this, they are a natural connection to the force. It isn't just, it wasn't just Snoke playing with their minds. It actually is. There is a bond between them. And uh, while that's been known to the audience, I think that becomes fully prevalent to Ben in this scene yeah. is that. He he finally understands that while they are a power together and he tried to bring Ray into that power, it isn't it isn't the fact that they're that they are this strong they're only strong if they go to the dark side. It's that they're only strong if they work together. Right. And the fact that even though she can a defeat him she can also be the one to save him and that's kind of his turning his his click with that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, again I think you know, this is basically Kylo's moment of turning to Ben back to Ben Solo. And I just think it's done super, super well. And it's, I, it's well-deserved to me. I think this is my favorite scene in this movie. Actually. Yeah. It's, it's a great it, moment. It's at least the Han and Ben conversation. It's a great moment. Yeah. Um, let's kind of talk about Ray going back to Octu and the Island of Octu. And, you know, she's making the same mistake that Luke did of, you know, she's, yeah, she's ready to desert and just kind of abandon everybody because why, why do you think that? Why do you think Ray does that? Do you think it's because like the death of Leia, like scared her enough to think that they didn't have any hope or yeah, I think so. I think, I think she saw the death of Leia as the death of the resistance. And that's fair. I think she's got scared and overwhelmed that she, as you know tying it back again luke says what do you think i can go out and face out the entire first order by myself i think ray thinks that she's going to have to go and face the entire first order by herself right and that scares her well, and, I, and she I does, makes the funny. same mistake luke did by going to the island and abandoning everybody i think it's funny too that like han to ben immediately after is just like your mother's gone he was like but what she stood for what she fought for he's like that's all still there he was like that never disappeared um so i think it's funny that that like that point against ray is instantly made like just from han um but um yeah i don't know i think ray running away is such a is such a weird like it's not not weird in the sense of like bad movie bad script writing but it's just like oh like i guess i didn't i didn't expect ray to still uh be scared still be um well i think she's also scared the- because she couldn't control herself and ended up killing like so not killing oh, but that she that is that is true she too injured like like Kylo. harming and yeah and you know she she was in this state of rage and anger probably without that, thinking even clearly. Though, and you know, yeah, she and, thinks that she's the reason Leia died. Yeah. Be- yeah. Because, you know, Leia sensed her son and had to call out to him. And in that moment that Leia was calling out, she, Ray thought she killed her son. Right. And that's that. Imagine how traumatizing that can be. You know, this. Well, and that's, that's sad too. Like 
knowing in in that exact moment ray was pretty pretty confident and strong in the overall mission and stopping the emperor even without leia's help and i it's it's a little heartbreaking to know that like in the moment of leia's death and in ray's kind of moment of in ray's break of kind of holding herself and giving into that anger yeah. for just a split second it it scares her so much that she just she runs away completely yeah um yeah um I think when returning to Octu, uh, um, I don't know why, but Mark Hamill looks weird as a force ghost to me in this movie. I don't think they got the continuity great with The Last Jedi with his look. I agree. I um, think his hair is much different. Like it's like weird, like stringy. It looks wet. Ha- like it looks. Yeah, he has the weird. Um, it's not as like wavy and layered as it was in The Last Jedi. It's yeah. more like it, they, like someone took a straightener to it. Like he just got out of the shower and yeah, <laughs> like he's know. like waiting for his hair to dry. Yeah, but um, um, I think the the line that Luke has whenever she throws the lightsaber into the fire and Luke's force goes catches it, and he says, <laughs> "What are you a, doing?" A Jedi's <laughs> weapon deserves more respect. I think that is Luke coming full circle and learning the lessons from the Last Jedi from himself. That is not. I agree. That is not fuck you, the Last Jedi. That that is. I have learned since then, and. I'm yes. I'm still learning just as you are. I'm not as cynical as I was yeah. about everything. I, I understand. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I I totally disagree with anyone who says, you know, that's that's JJ saying screw you to Ryan Johnson because he threw the lightsaber. That's not at all what that is. But um, what do you think about this? Is the first time we also see one Luke is a Force ghost. And two, we discover that Leia has a lightsaber, and Leia's lightsaber is given to Rey. What do you think about that kind of revelation that, you know, Leia was trained and she has this lightsaber, and Luke even talks See, about I, the training montage and everything like that. This isn't, this is all stuff that makes sense to me. This yeah. is all stuff that, like, I kind of wish we got more from in, like, in probably more maybe Last Jedi of kind of explaining the things that happened in the 30-year gap. And I like knowing in that 30-year gap the world building that, like, in this time, Leia did train. Leia, like, you know, I would assume... So I am probably going to read Bloodline soon just because I want to oh, know, you like... you have to. Yeah, I, I want to know all of that. So, and, and like... I I like knowing that like this in between this you know 30 year OG trilogy to sequel trilogy time span so I think it's funny that people get angry over things like that and I was like well what else did you think happened they just sat around and waited for the movies to start right. like um no I like it I love Leia's lightsaber design um I, I, I love, I love like, like the, the brass actual, copper. Yeah, kind of. I, I love it's look. It's so different. Yeah. And um, um, no, yeah, it, it, that, that it's actually a very wholesome scene to me. And yeah. kind of Luke passing on his his generational kind of aspect to Ray. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, Luke, I like it. You know, they, I like, they have a conversation about fear and failure and how Luke Luke even says fear is the destiny of a Jedi or is it fear or failure one of the two um and I think that is something fear. no it is it's it's overcoming your fear is the destiny of a Jedi yeah and it, it is something that is so wholesome to me mm-hmm. um 
Yeah, he says confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. My life, especially everyone's life, has always been about confronting your fears and, you know, making yourself uncomfortable to grow. And to hear someone like Luke Skywalker, who has, who in The Last Jedi did anything but confront his fear. He ran from it. And I think in this movie, he, you know, after his life has ended, basically, and at the end of Last Jedi, I think he does confront his fears. Well, him coming full circle again and to, again, taking everything he's learned and passing it on to Ray. And he's basically telling Ray, you know, hey, it's not good to run from your issues like I did because look where it land look where i landed like look right. look at where the resistance is now um yeah so i think this is kind of the conversation that convinces ray that she needs to go back she needs to face the emperor and you know do what she needs to do in order to again ensure their survival of the resistance to don't let palpatine win again so um yeah, I just love Luke's lessons and the conversation they have in this scene is super great. And right. I don't want to go, I don't want to get out of this scene without talking about the X-Wing lifting it out of the water scene because I cry every time I see that scene. Really, do you? Oh my God. I get so emotional whenever that, that score swells up and he just looks yeah. at Ray and kind of smiles and the X-Wing's coming out of the water. Uh, well, I love that that line he's, he goes like, you have everything that you need. Yeah. And she's like, oh yeah, there's a holocron in, tie, in, in uh, Kylo's TIE fighter. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and how that line, um, you know, is kind of ripped from Leia's, we have everything we need. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's so great. So, so great. Um but yeah, and then we are back on uh, we're, we're back on the resistance base, and they're preparing for the war in Exegol. And Lando's back with the with the, the clothes from Solo, a Star Wars story, which I thought was like, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. It kind of like bridges the gap between Donald Glover and Billy D. Williams. Um, and just <laughs> whenever they both become, whenever um, Finn and Poe both become generals and a general, general. Um, I love that too. Yeah. What um, what what is your kind of thoughts on ever kind of the resistance post Leia and how they come to terms with what what needs to be done now that Leia is dead? Well, I think that's kind of that was absolutely the push that they needed because, yeah. like, you can even tell like a lot of the resistance just kind of like relies and looks to Leia to just kind of figure it out and have right. some kind of plan for it. And it isn't until a literally, you know, Leia's death happens and Poe, I love the scene with Poe like sitting at Leia's body and like, he's just kind of talking it's to like, Lando joins in. He, he's like, we had, we had each other. He was I like, love we just, that we did what we, um, I do think it's funny though that, um, Poe is like, how'd you do it with next to nothing? And it was like, well, they didn't get their fleet destroyed in the last movie, so they did have that to their yeah. advantage. But uh, you guys will figure it out, you know. But it's also um, so true. Like we had each other. Like, yeah, we, like we just we we gave it our all, and it ended up working out. Yeah, we we trust in each other, and you know, we we didn't let things, you know, small problems take us down and overcome us. Like we we played it out till the end, and that's so true. Um, 
Yeah. No, and it, it and like the the speech Poe gives is I think a really good motive. It's very well well just good people delivered. will come if we lead them. Yes. Boom. Absolutely. Like I love that. And like uh the the he repeats it in the speech but the line he, that Zori originally says of they 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 win by making you think that you're alone. We're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. Um I I I love that so much. And Poe in this movie has some really great development from you know, even the beginning of the trilogy to now, and he's ready to lead the the resistance and, you know, follow Leia's footsteps. And I think that's such a great it's such a great transfer of Poe being this, you know, kind of reckless flyboy in The Last Jedi to now having learned every lesson that there is to learn, especially from Leia and everything in becoming responsible enough and, you know, wise enough to be able to lead the entire resistance into this fate of the galaxy type of battle that they're going to be going into. Um, So I think that's great. Now, whenever Ray gets on Exegol and she's, you know, basically in unknown territory, what do you think of whenever she gets into this big Sith Citadel of all of like this weird crowd of like Sith loyalist kind of things that I'm not really sure what they are. What is that? What is your, what is your theory? Cause I don't even know. Um, they, they are, they're like Sith loyalists. Um, you know what? The, the current Darth Vader comic, I think is explaining this actually is it, it is, it is setting up all of like the Exegol stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's all like, it's like introducing it like I think when Palpatine does it like when Vader was around. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I remember being like, who like who are all these people? Yeah, I was like, like is this going to be talked about? Why are there so about? many people here? They never mention it. Um, uh, those people go out wild too with like yeah. the building falling on them <laughs> yeah. and like the lightning striking them and yeah, that that's very intense and crazy. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> They're just in the background enough that they're like unnoticeable, but like they're doing these weird chants and stuff. And yeah, it reminds me of the first Scooby Doo movie oh when it's God. like it's all of the like mind yes. controlled like like travelers and Bobby oh Goldo who and they point at him, right. like point at Ray. Like <laughs> that would have been hilarious. We need that crossover ASAP. Um, but we get this this interaction between Palpatine and Rey for the first time and Palpatine's on like this big basically on this big crane um I, I know there's a name for it I saw it on Wikipedia but I, I can't think of it right now but he's basically saying that your emperor is Palpatine and you need to strike me down and take the throne what do you think is going through Rey's head in this moment of you know it's where she's faced with this conflict of the same basically the same thing same conflict that luke had of strike me down and you'll become powerful and you know everything good will happen or do what's best for the galaxy um i think you know this scene isn't uh daisy really does a really good job at showing um 
the fear that she's like finally kind of right. squashing in this scene. It's not more of, um, you know, she's like, he, he, he does, he pulls the same move too, where he is like, do this and your friends will be saved, you know, do this and your, your friends will, won't have to die this gruesome death. And, um, in that you can tell in that moment even just with like the facial expressions is like ray says it earlier to 3po is like we've all like we've been saying this whole time how how important this is how big this is this is ray's moment of giving it her all and um you know doing what absolutely needed to be done right yeah and i think that this is kind of Ray facing her ultimate test and like it, it is to, you know, it's to, to sacrifice everything she has, she has helped build and, and save and, you know, save her friends in quotation marks or, you know, face her fear and, you know, not basically not let the emperor win, not let Sidious win again by, you know, controlling Ray in this weird puppeteer kind of way. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. Straight kill me and my, my spirit will flow yeah, through you. Yeah. Like, that's, you know, it's so, well, it's kind of horrifying to think too, that like, like this dark Ray that Ray has seen all this time wouldn't even be Ray. It, it like, it's going it to be, just be I Palpatine it like it's a possessed Ray. Belt. Like it's Palpatine's mind using Ray's body. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, I think that whenever Ben Solo comes in and saves the day is when this scene gets super interesting. Um, yeah. You know, whenever he comes in and he has that great fight with against the Knights of Ren. Um, I love the shrug he yeah. does when he finally gets the light. He does the classic Han Solo shrug. Yeah, like. and I think, uh, again, that whole them being in the diet in the forest and having this connection and Ray sensing him and about to strike uh yeah, quotation like does it strike and, yeah. Palpatine down and then nothing in her hand. <laughs> I just um, I, I wanted uh, I wanted Sidious to say, What? What? <laughs> like like Vader. Um, um you know what though he we get the do it. He says right, yeah. do it to her. He does say do it. Um no, I love the, the when Ben shows up and that whole like that sequence and you know Ray uses Leia's lightsaber to fight and Ben finally gets the Skywalker saber yeah. and you know that's it's a very very uh um like paid off feeling and just kind of seeing and I love how much Ben Solo is like Han Solo right like, he just, you know, jumping when he, when he gets there and he just jumps in the hole. Yeah. He doesn't wait for like the elevator thing. He just like just jumps on a statue and the ow, like mm -hmm. I like I just it's very natural. And even just like the shrug, like it's very classic. That's Han a Han Solo, Solo mannerism right and, there. Yeah. And it's just like you can tell how different of a person he is. But like. I think, too, even with, like, Anakin and Vader, you don't see it as much, especially because, like, Anakin dies immediately after returning. Um, is with is with Ren, at least, and with Ben, um, you can see the stark differences. Yeah. You can see how different of a person Ben Solo was to Kylo Ren, whereas more the Anakin Skywalker post-Darth Vader 
is it's very brief and it's very uh not anakin it's not our classic anakin it's it's this more um wiser kind of i only have minutes so let me say what i need to say right. kind of thing um yeah and i i just i like having getting to see that i like getting to see how you know i reading the family at war the introduction of darth vader and how different of a person that he was to anakin skywalker like uh that explanation to begin with is just so beautifully written of like how much of a shell darth vader was and just kind of this unfeeling unthinking person and that's the, the point i'm making with that is how Ren tried to uh, tried to kind of force that mindset and lifestyle that it's 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 so relieving and nice to see that when he does go back to Ben, he's instantly kind of he's focused in the mission that needs to be done, but he's instantly this more relieved, relaxed, and happier person. Yeah, and he he kind of I think Ben Solo never left him. I think I agree. he was I agree, he was absolutely. almost putting on this front this this phony front of Kylo Ren and he was never he was never actually settled in to being this force of evil evil and yeah um, he he knew in his heart that it was yeah, wrong and it, he it, knew it, it took it just took again his mother's love to make him realize that this isn't who he is. This isn't who he wants to be. This isn't who he needs to be. Right. Especially it, well, in such yeah, a dire time it, like this where, you know, Kylo Ren is even in jeopardy right now because of the Emperor and all that right. kind of stuff. Right. And and I think on top of, like, it took both of his parents and it took, um, it took this person that he had to kind of grow and, like, understand to, for him to understand that he is not alone. Right. He has never been alone. Um, and when both of his parents finally die trying to tell him that, it's the last person that he, that he himself yeah. feels connected to. That it, that, that it's finally like, oh, I can't, I can't screw this up to where I will lose that person as well. Right. And I think, Ray ends up becoming that kind of person to him too. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, let's kind of talk about how all hope is lost for the air strike team. Um, you know, they, they're, they're fighting their butts off and they realize that there is just, there's just too many of them. You know, that's just, no one has come yet and they basically feel alone and Palpatine back on the ground you know ben and ben and ray are you know in in palpatine citadel and he he learns that he can actually drain the life power life force out of ray and ben and palpatine kind of realizes that oh my god they're a dyad in the force so basically having the power from both of these people would make him the ultimate sith right and he does have this really strange when he's when he's pulling the life force out of Ray and Ben, his robes change, his face changes, his finger, yeah, his, his old fingies grow back. <laughs> he's like, he like becomes the ultimate Sidious. And I think that was right. that was cool to see as well because that's like the Sidious we never really got to see. Um, and then um, whenever he does that, go for it. Yeah, 
sorry, this is a quick little anecdote. Yeah. That outfit is uh, one of the like skins you can have for Palpatine in Battlefront 2 and like you can oh, nice. actually kind of see it in, in detail and um, it's cool the actual like skin for the game his like he's got like the like nubby fingies and like his face is all like gaunt and his eyes are yellow yeah. but like the robe has like a bunch of designs on it it's not just like a black and red robe it's got it, it's like etching oh, and like it looks like silk yeah it looks like silk but it's all like it's all like ancient like like Sith scribes yeah. like crawling up him and like it kind of like it like like stops near his shoulders it's cool it's like it's all like etched in and it's a very detailed looking yeah. like outfit yeah um i i haven't actually had a chance to take a look at that the new um Palpatine outfit in detail yet but i always like the red accents on it because that's very sith yeah um but kind of you know what i was talking about whenever he does pull the life force from them and then he sends the lightning into the sky and the sound effect of that is so it like, I <laughs> think it, <laughs> I think it rivals the seismic charges in attack of the clones. It's such a good sound effect. Um, and then, you know, all the ships are raining down from the sky. Like the, the hope is lost and Ray finally gets the Jedi to be with her, the Jedi of the past to be with her. And again, I, we get another fake out death with Kylo too, right before this. Um, but <laughs> he eats him through the Canyon, he eats him through the Canyon. I think the, this whole time Kylo just been slowly climbing up the Canyon. Just, yeah. yeah. Like thrown around. Yeah. Like. But I, I want to talk about the, 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 the voices of the Jedi past that we hear. Do you, do, can you um, list all of them? Do you know? the subtitles definitely help yeah yeah yeah. um it starts with ewan because he repeats the these are your first steps right Right, yeah um it's ewan there's uh i think then it's luminara there's kiramundi there's uh kanan jarris ahsoka anakin qui-gon uh uh old ben kenobi uh, um uh alec guinness mace windu um, Luke. I don't know if as uh, yeah, Luke. Uh, I don't know if Ezra, no, Ezra is in it as all. I think no, no Ezra. Did we name them all? I think that's close to them all. Yeah, there might be one or if two anything, we're forgetting. Maybe Ayla Sakura is probably. I think another she might one. be in there once. Yeah, but I was so surprised she might that just they throw didn't. An array, yeah. I was surprised they didn't go straight up Force Ghost for all of them. Um. Um. So. I think that was part of the plan. I think that's in the Colin Trevorrow script. I think it is too. Is yeah, that, all the Force ghosts is come that back. All of the all of the ghosts showed up and like yeah, they all like make like it's 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 she's got like the whole army behind her and um yeah, I don't know. I and I and and I'm I don't necessarily. I don't necessarily not like what we got. Oh, yeah, I, no, I was pretty I satisfied it. with it to begin with. Yeah. I, I um, love I love hearing Anakin say Ray. That was cool. Uh I love hearing Anakin say bring back the balance as I did. Oh, one is beautiful. Beautiful. Um because it proves that yeah. yes, Anakin did bring balance. He did fulfill the prophecy. Yes. Um Yeah, it's it, it's a very it's a very uh um, proud and like, yeah. like satisfying moment of just like even even in that it's it's 
you know, I remember seeing it and being like, wow, like that's like that's cool and all but like she just kind of destroys palpatine like reversing the lightning and i guess it's not necessarily what like it's like but do you know how much how much power you have to have to stop that kind of force lightning though and like the point too is like that whole moment was for ray to finally step into the mindset of her jedi self yeah and to this 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 is like you know it it she finally gets that focus it's because once it happens her facial expression of just how like how in tune and aware she is of everything it and goes just like straight like snaps from fear to determination right there and, and it's and it is instant it and is, is the yeah. rest of the movie she holds that and and that's what that moment is for it is not it's not about destroying palpatine because right. like as dumb as it sounds at the end of the day the chances of palpatine coming back are like <laughs> like they're they're still very prevalent yep. you know um, to where his his death doesn't really mean anything to me, and I I wish well, it because did. we've I wish spent that- so many years just thinking that he was dead anyway. Yeah, and and on top of you, actually, we already have an emotional death with him. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That I, I'm glad that this scene is more kind of focused on Ray. Um, finally connecting herself with right. the Jedi and just, you know, fully accepting that. Yeah. Um, I, I I think this is one of my favorite moments in Star Wars, the whole, you know, her kind of getting in contact with the Jedi of the past for the first time and she's hearing all of these voices that she has no clue who they are. We do, but she doesn't. But she kind right. of senses what they're telling her, and you know, even Anakin saying "Rise, Ray, Rise, Ray," and you know, her her getting up and having that, you know, basically turn of the page, snap moment of determination, and you know, courage to, you know, face Palpatine, and she know we we know she's going to kill him, but I think the way that Palpatine goes out is very Voldemort in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. I I completely agree. It's funny you say that. It's always what I Yeah, he kind of flakes off. Yeah. And, okay, same with Thanos. Is that what's the thing? What 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 is with like studios and just with making mass m- m- uh, mass franchise Everyone just turns uh, into dirt. movie death villain. Yeah. <laughs> but um I also love you know, right after this and the, everyone's like, um, well, it's not right after. So kind of once Palpatine stops the force lightning, everyone goes back up and then the allies come and it's basically the entire galaxy rises up and joins them in the battle of Exegol. And we get the great moment where the, the music swells in the, now that's a moment I also cry. I, I, I get so emotional during this movie. I can't help it. But, um, and then what really strikes a chord with me is whenever the fleet comes in and, um, on the first, one of the first order or final order ships, there's like a guy who says, um, oh, how did they get such a big Navy? Something like that. And he says, well, it's not a Navy. It's just, oh, he's people. talking to pride. Yeah. It's just people. Yeah, Was it pride? pride? Like, looks yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I love that line of it's not a Navy. It's just people. It's just people. Because yeah. you think you, you look back and you think, and you're like, you know what? There's if, always more of if us. I was, I, if I was in the star Wars universe, I would have been there, you know? Yeah. I would have heard that call and been like, you know what? Let's fight. 
yeah. for all of us. Yeah. Like it's time. Yeah. yeah. It's time to stop living in fear. Yeah, exactly. I think that is, that is what they're trying to get across right there is, I mean, that's a big theme of this film again is, is fear and overcoming your fear and confronting your fear and everything like that. Um, but, and then we get this moment back on, back down in the, in, in the Citadel when, Ray is basically she's she's conked out. She's basically used all of her life force to kill Palpatine. She's basically dead. And Ben comes back up from the cave and he does yeah, he basically gives her the old jump start. Um gets the old uh the the, the what is it called? The um, gets the cables out. The ca- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would have been that'd be a great robot robot chicken episode. But um and he kind of makes this sacrifice of himself for Ray because he kind of re- recognizes that Ben Solo is over, like he's dead. Um, yeah, he's he he's made him his mistakes. He kind of he is he he is past redeeming himself f- for the galaxy to accept him again yeah 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 and um and i and i i think he's known that from when he switched there's no going back yeah well he repeats the line when he talks to han he's like your son is gone um and he goes no kylo ren is gone but it's no like ben's right like both are gone yeah like it's it's at this moment is while ben is here Ben's using his final, you know, moments to make this sacrifice to go help Ray. Right. He I, he knew walking in, he wasn't ever going to walk out. Yeah, and I think that that was his purpose of being there is to finally fulfill his mother's his mother's life purpose and journey. And well, and and I think too, like. To make sure that Ray is safe. Yeah. To make sure that Ray walks out. Because Ray is basically the only hope for the survival of the galaxy, basically. Um, Which I think I love that the stakes are so gosh darn high in this movie. Um, can I can I run by you a title change? I don't think this movie should be called The Rise of Skywalker, and I and I don't mean like any. I mean this specific movie that we got. I don't think it should have been called The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, I think Star Wars: The Last Hope would have slapped. I know, but we already had the Last Jedi. I mean, like, yeah, I guess, but like, I don't know. Like, I think it would have been too confusing. I don't know if that would have worked. Still cool. If, if the Last Jedi wasn't called The Last Jedi, I think The Last Hope would have been great. I just yeah, the last hope like it's it's a cool like uh, I think it kind of encaptures like every purpose of every character. If everyone, episode everyone eight would have been is, called a new Jedi. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the, the not gone Jedi. It's may, maybe the final Jedi. A new Jedi and the last hope. Yeah, but um, let's kind of let's get to the the ending here. We're wrapping it up. The Resistance won. Everyone's celebrating. Um, we have that moment with Lando and Janna on back on the resistance base where it's like, where do you come from? Oh, I don't really know. Well, we want to find out. Um, well, let's find out. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love that moment. Cause it kind of insinuates that there's a possibility that, that she could be Lando's yeah, right. daughter. It doesn't really confirm anything. It just kind of like raises the question, which I think is great. Um, well, it, it almost does it like it's trying to hint that they're going to make more, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like they're trying to like they're trying to set stuff up to continue, yeah, just and, in case. And then we get Ray back on Tatooine for the first time we ever. The first time we see ta- Tatooine since since two thousand five. Um, yeah, and we get this 
great moment where she's kind of exploring the Lars homestead and it, it looks it it looks the same as it was left almost except but it, it looks like someone came by and cleaned so up the, the skeletons ancient. yeah it, it feels so ancient you know it feels, it feels, like, feels a, like, like a relic yeah it looks like history. she's in this different world like experiencing all these new and you know obsolete things yeah. she's like what are these you know and i think what do you think of her burying the lightsabers in the sands of tattooing? What do you think of that? Uh, uh, I'll give you my real answer, but I love the memes of like Anakin screaming while Ray puts like the, <laughs> his lightsaber in the sand. That's funny. Um, no, I like it because I like how, while Ray herself is the new, like turning point and face of the Skywalkers, right. like she herself buries everything that she lets the past die. She lets the past die while she herself is the adaptation and new that came with. And that's kind of the whole, die, like, but she, she, she lays it to rest. She puts it down for a that, nap. Yeah. And that's kind of what I mean. I don't mean like die and like she kills it. I mean it more of, yeah. She lays it to rest. She lets the past and lets the past be the past so that so we can move for the future her, so that she can step forward into a future. Right. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the everything else has been a trying to kill the past and be, you know, holding on and trying to finish everything. And yeah, it's a very it's a very like. It's a very. I actually. I really do like the the final moment of this movie with the whole Ray Skywalker. Yeah. And, um, I was about to ask you this the, about why, the Ray Skywalker. I don't know why it gets hate. Uh, like it's it makes wonderful. so much sense to me that it is so like, great. It, it just makes. They've been hyping it up even without the Palpatine thing of like she's gonna accept herself as who she wants to be and she wants to be a Skywalker. And she, um, if if anybody, she deserves the Skywalker name. Absolutely. She is she is of pure Skywalker yeah. like heart, you know. Yeah, and she um, and you know, she even kind of gets the the approval from Luke and Leia whenever she kind of looks off in the distance and yeah. sees their ghosts and Luke kind of nods at her like you're one of us now, you know? Yeah. I think it's that's just so great. And th- just the look of of pride she gives to that lady after she says Ray Skywalker yeah, and she's Ray like Skywalker. wow, that felt good to say. Yeah, just and just well like and it's so like heartwarming like she finally has this family name that she can give herself, you know, yeah. whereas she finally has a, has a place in the story. Been, yeah, absolutely. She's just been so discouraged and trying to be her own person. That's and right. Like, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a very wholesome and good and heartwarming ending. Yeah, I think that moment is the rise of Skywalker right there. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I completely agree. Yeah, I, I just. You couldn't you couldn't have a more satisfying ending than this one to me. I mean, you you get you, we we end right where the entire saga started is right there on Tatooine with the twin sons and they're kind of walking off into a hopeful future, which I think chef's kiss. I just kissed Jackson on the yeah. forehead too. But mm. um I just any any other closing thoughts or things you wanted to mention before we get out of here? It's kind of a longer episode, but um, you know, we've kind of talked about, I think we've talked about kind of the themes and yeah. mainly the important stuff. And I think, um, I shared some of my favorite quotes and there isn't a lot of quotes that fully stick out to me in this one. Mainly, you know, you know, I shared my I thoughts. I think a lot of the times because earlier, a lot so. of the quotes are rooted in the story. I agree. So we've already talked um, about a lot of the big ones, I think. 
You know, I wanted to ask you quickly about musical because this soundtrack is um it's good it's not all that fully original it's a lot of rehashing of Ooh. similar song motifs there is a um, there is a certain phrase in a lot of the um in a lot of the rise of skywalker score that really tugs at my heartstrings and it it I'm going to try to sing it, but it's like, it's like, it does. There's this. Oh weird, yeah. Yeah. But it, no, it's like, it's more of like a somber, hopeful kind of thing yeah. that John Williams does. And like the two notes together give me chills. I don't know why I love it so, so much. Um, I really like the Exegol music too, in the very yeah. beginning when when Kylo Ren first arrives. There's something like very just like I like the design of like that weird ancient Sith like song that he kind of developed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There isn't a lot musically in this movie that really fully sticks out. I, I will say of the like homage motifs that John Williams does in this, uh, when all of the ships show up and it does the, din oh, yeah. din 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 din, they all pop out of hyperspace when it kicks off. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree that one that gives me chills and it's always a really like awesome just moment. Yeah. Um, I think the rise of Skywalker score is actually, it's, it's great to listen to if you just want to listen to a star Wars score. It, yeah, it's a great, I, I believe that. it's a great listen. I think it's one of my favorite score, scores to just sit and listen to, um, just like in the background, um, because with the other ones, I feel like I have to be emotionally invested to listen to a lot well, of the like, other scores. With the other ones, like there's only I I'll, I say one or two, but I don't mean that literally. I know that there are much more per movie of just kind of. There's always like the specific ones you want to hear. Whereas Rise of Skywalker, each song plays into a previous song prior, so like you get all of the classic stuff that you wanted listening to Star Wars music, and then it's cool thrown in with a in between kind of those motifs in the same song. It's the newer stuff yeah. that he uses to flow it. And then there are the new songs as well that he has to play right. with it. And speaking of John Williams, he does get a great cameo in this movie too. Yeah. He plays a little yeah. bartender. His first, in, ever, uh, his first yeah. ever and only movie appearance. So that's, that's great. Yeah. But, um, do you have any other just closing thoughts? Just wrapping up your thoughts on this movie as a whole. I, I think I'm good. Actually. I think I've kind of shared everything. You know, I, I, I will say, especially after kind of talking about breaking it down in this discussion, um, I am much more appreciative of when I have first seen, I used to hate this movie. Yeah. I used to be on the train of like, it's, it's, I used to, it was enough to make me not like consider the sequel trilogies as a whole mm -hmm. it was enough to literally like in my brain i was like yeah return of the jedi that's the last star wars movie yeah. like there's no more after that and over time i obviously like grew to accept that that was what like that's that's what a what we got and b that's just what the story was that's where it turned out yeah. who am i to say what's right or wrong like about i've always it? said i and watched I'm, star wars with my heart to where Whatever I get as Star Wars, I just accept that as the next leg in the story and what we're, what we're getting. I, I'm not. I don't. Ha I don't have a right to challenge that. Challenge that. Uh, my AirPod just dies, so this last little bit of audio you'll hear yourself with. That's okay. It's all right. We're closing anyway. But I, as I see, as I when I when those when these movies came out, I was in a state of 
cinema and having to criticize everything yeah. and I lost that sense of heart to it. So <laughs> I almost say thank you for helping me find my sense of wonder again with these movies because I am able to actually look past and appreciate what was made mm -hmm. and to enjoy the tales that are shared. Yeah, and I think, you know, being able to sit down and discuss grievances and talk through them and being able to, you know, talk about what is great about a lot of these movies, I think really helps. And th th you know, th these podcast episodes are very much kind of like Star Wars counseling sessions. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and we get to talk about like, we just get to find what is great about these movies. And I, I think there's so much to love about the sequel trilogy. And it's, I think I, it is my, f it's like tied for my favorite star Wars trilogy with the original trilogy. Um, that's just how much that these, that this trilogy has connected with me and struck a chord with me. So that's just kind of, you know, I, I love this movie and I've, I've loved it more and more with every single watch. Cause I just find something else that moves me. So I think, you know, this, this film is something that I really, really appreciate and I don't get the hate. But, you know, teach their own. I am. Who am I to say that people shouldn't have an opinion on a movie? Because, again, like I've said before, I watch movies with my heart and I I don't I just let myself accept whatever I see whenever I see movies. So a lot of the time, even yeah. if it's a bad movie, I'm just like, eh, that's pretty good. You know, um, right, right. But anyway, I think that's about all we have time for. This is probably our longest cantina episode, even though we don't have a guest, which is strange. We really had some. Yeah, I was just thinking that, too. <laughs> I think it's funny that we we had like a good full discussion. Yeah, I think I, this has also been a movie you and I both have been like dying to talk this, about. This discussion has been a long time coming. So I yeah. think it's it's kind of kind of funny and full circle that like we we got to discuss it just you and i yeah kind of break it down together and, and i'm glad we've like we've throughout this discussion we've been able to find things that we've both been unsure about and then by the end of the conversation been, we're, yeah, we're positive about it yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah i love I that agree. i love that it, it definitely was a, it was a good discussion well great well thank you guys so much for listening to um the, not the last cantina episode but the last for a long time uh, we'll be back for sure in a couple months whenever things start to slow down which god knows will if that ever happens but um if you want to find us on our social medias you can find us on instagram at through imperialized pod on twitter at imperialized pod and on youtube if you just search up through imperialized podcast we'll show up jackson where can they find you you can find me on Twitter, as always, uh, at Quaxon Scalene. That's Q-U-A-C-K-S-O-N and Scalene like the triangle. And then follow my photography Instagram, uh, which is at Daleen underscore photography, D-A-L-E-E-N for the first part of that. And uh, Brayden, what about you? You can find me on Instagram at Brayden Ledbetter and on Twitter at Braydathalon. And I'm just going to pull a Jordan Dennis and plug my letterbox, which is just Brayden Ledbetter. And you can just see what movies I've been watching and what I think about movies I watch. But um, if you guys would please leave that review and rating on Apple Podcasts if you use it. And if you don't, don't be shy. Don't be shy. And if you don't use Apple Podcasts, please uh, follow up our follow up our Spotify and our YouTube. Please subscribe to there. It just really helps the show whenever we get more subscribers and you know followers and listeners. It just really helps the show out and allows us to keep doing this. Um, so, like I said, this will be the last Imperial Cantina for a few weeks. So we're going to go on a small hiatus, and um, we'll be back again this week with another news episode, another episode of the Batch Report. All that kind of fun stuff and uh, maybe some more um, special episodes um, throughout 
this whole release. But um, I think until then, and until we see you on Thursday for some news, may the Force be with you. <laughs>